1: Oh, my, it's time for an all-new Southern Sports
2: Central. I'm Richie Alvin, alongside, of course, that's going to be Eugene Benton. We're going to be pushing buttons, taking calls, and interviewing the best in the biz here tonight. It's a Monday night, which means it's time to recap all the action from Friday night to Saturday. And we'll even talk a little Sunday NFL possibly and definitely
3: some NBA
2: congratulations to the Los Angeles Lakers. They, of course, uh, were crowned last night. Tonight, my Dodgers. They get it on here as they will be battling out for the National League and the Atlanta Braves and, of course, the Astros. And, uh, well, there's another team down there in Florida that's going to be uh, trying to do a little something, and that is the Tampa Bay Rays, see what they can do. We've got a lot to talk about. We've got a lot of great guests coming in tonight. Friday night did not disappoint us when it comes to the state of South Carolina and all the action that you were looking for here on Southern Sports Central. We had Eugene hanging out over at Oceanside, and that one was one heck of a battle. Joe Call and the Lance find a way to get the dub on our game of the week. He will join us along with one of his players at 7.30. Brandon Biscoe being covered the game of the week on the Grand Strand. That one was held in Sumter, South Carolina. The Gamecocks were down by 14. Man, but it wasn't over yet because Carolina Fours did put enough points on the board, and uh, their quarterback, at Sumter, ended up bringing back the Gamecocks, and they won, if I'm not mistaken. And with that being said, well, we're going to bring in their quarterback, and that is, of course, Mr. Hayden Vasquez. He'll join us at 8.30. We know at 6.30 it's time for Kevin Villadu from Live 5 News and Live 5 Sports, our CBS affiliate here in the Lowcountry. He'll join us at 6.30. He's going to recap all the craziness here in the Lowcountry side of life. Then at 7 o'clock, it's Reginald Walker Jr. at 7. He, of course, handles multiple avenues around the country, but he does it in the Queen City in Charlotte, North Carolina, where he'll join us at 7. We're talking college football with the big man. We're talking a little NFL, as uh, Dak Prescott, by the way, did not finish the game, went down. It wasn't good, but somehow, some way, the Cowboys found a way to pick up a W in the honor of their quarterback that went down. And we'll talk about some of the big games out of Sunday, and then I'm sure some MLB. We'll talk some NBA and a lot more. Then we travel up to the upstate. It's Greenville's head coach, who they, by the way, are rolling at 3-0. and They knocked out a very good team out of Malden who falls down and may have fallen out of the playoff conversation, but a team that's getting momentum with the speed and everything that they got going over there, in Greenville, and Coach Greg Porter. He'll join us. Let me bring in a man who has done a great job catching up with us here and continues to put some ballers out. Because, by the way, keep your Twitter handle on and keep it, well, in front of you because throughout the entire day, the South Carolina High School Blitz, along with Southern Sports Central, has released out at least a few of those top 88, Eugene. I know you've done a good job tracking it
4: down and making sure that we uh get the word out, buddy. So we got a spreadsheet. We got a spreadsheet going here. Uh so far of the uh we got twenty four of the eighty eight that have been officially notified via uh Twitter. Um and that is that's broken down to six quarterbacks, uh six running backs, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine wide receivers and three kickers so far. So we still have the uh the big guys up front, uh tight ends, uh maybe a fullback or something like that. I'm not really sure. You know, again when it comes down to it, the coaches, you know, like we've had many, many shows and many opportunities, you know, the kids should know around the state and their and their uh coaches should know that these coaches have been looking at film. Uh there's a staff there, you know, with the with the S C Blitz guys. You and I have, you know, shared film and looked at film and and gave comments on, on kids that we knew. Uh, and, and then again, you know, uh, the coaches got together, and what did we hear them say? The next step was they found ballers. Then they go to see who they're going to cut. and How they do that? They go to social media accounts and see uh, who may be not representing themselves the way they should. So that's kind of been the process. And, you know, it, even though things were still moving um, last night, you know, there there's still things in play. Um there's still some guys that are still, you know, waiting to see what happens. And, uh, you know, so, you know, guys just need to stay tuned. There's 62 more offers that will be extended out. So uh, keep the Twitter on, you know, do your homework. Just kind of keep it on ding in case you get that notification or whatnot. But uh, get your schoolwork done first. I'm sure Miss V and, and, and Mr. Brown and you and, and me and everybody else and, and the coaches, Wilcock and Coach Smitty would rather them uh, – get the grades and get the homework taken care of and they can check their Twitter later, but it uh, should be getting out the notifications. I know those guys got it a little tied up uh, later this afternoon, um, but you know, and, and it takes a while because once the coaches got their meetings together and got the names and positions and, and high school um, over to, you know, in, input into the system, then it wasn't just that, you know, just the, Hey, you know you, you, you got selected now they they put out a very nice graphic that gave props to the kid by name and their high school and position things like that you know so it was a, they're doing that uh very classy uh as can be and just letting them kids know that hey you know we're we're gonna promote you we're gonna put your name out there uh you've been a baller you've been recognized and you know so uh uh, it's always been, you know, dealing with these guys, it's a first class operation. So, you know, it, it is taking a little time to get all these notifications out. I've been getting texts from a bunch of players and from around that, Hey, you know, have you heard anything, you know, has it stopped? I, I haven't seen anything I'm like, well, you haven't seen anything because they haven't come out other than those uh twenty twenty four that's already hit. But, um, you know, I was like, you know, just, just be patient. If you get selected, be grateful, show your appreciation. If you didn't, you know, don't be upset and don't, don't don't share your feelings other than maybe you feel like you get slept on and you got something to prove. So go ball harder. You never know. I've been telling kids. Um, unfortunately, in this game, injuries happen and, and things might. You know, you might get a call to hey, you know, you were next on our board. So I told kids, you know, that I've talked to you today, just be patient with the system. If you don't get selected, you know, don't 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 lose yourself. Don't lose your composure. You never know that phone, that phone might ding and you might get your opportunity. So, but it's been an interesting day following along some of these. You know, we've definitely seen many, many guys on the show uh, that have been selected today, some of the big ballers from around the state with multiple already Power 5 Division one offers. Some of them don't have the offers yet, but we know they're coming. Uh, some guys have been putting up big numbers so far this year. And so it's been, it's been pretty neat to see them. Uh, I know the people are pretty excited. Parents are pretty excited. And, um, you know, we're looking forward to hearing some more dings tonight. But uh, so that's been going on. You know, I've been looking forward to the guest list. We've got a pretty good guest list. And, uh, of course, you mentioned the game that I was at Friday night. Uh, that was pretty exciting uh, all the way until, you know, really the fourth quarter. Uh, Hanahan had – they were uh, winning the game. They got that score right before halftime. It was up 7 to nothing. Their defense was holding the Sharks down. Uh, the Sharks was kind of – Running the ball, they end up rushing for over 200 yards, but just you know had some things that just didn't go their way. Had a couple turnovers. Uh, One of them was down at the four yard line, and one was another one was kind of going about 30 going in uh, with the kicker they have was kind of a scoring position for them. As he proved later by hitting a 41 yarder, and uh, you know I just it it worked out. They got some key plays on defense. They got an interception, a big sack, as you remember, uh, as you mentioned the big defensive ends coming in to talk about that uh that the next play after that sack uh Oceanside put it away with a touchdown so um ended up winning the game 16 to 7 while you don't want to say ahead of time that you know that that was for the region title a lot of people looked at it that way having seen the rest of the the teams on on film you know everybody kind of figured going into this you can kind of tell you know yourself you, you've uh seen Fort Dorchester play enough and that game's probably going to come down to Fort Dorchester and Somerville as it has for the past few years. You just kind of know because of the talent level who they played and also the win loss record of the other teams. if you've already beaten a team and you know they're you know they you got that one on them even if it ends in a tie, you win the tiebreaker so while nobody's trying to get too far ahead and say it was a region championship and the, and and it's decided you know there are two more games left, and I know Coach Call is going to get those guys ready, but um so that was a pretty exciting game. We went down to the wire on Friday night uh ended up jumping in the car <clears throat> jumping on my phone kid that I work with uh Matt Haas uh we talked to coach Denny uh over at Stratford. uh his parents it was tied up in the overtime at 21-21 so I, I immediately jumped in the car called Christine and uh they put me on speaker phone and kind of gave me the play by play and uh Wando ended up winning that game 28-21 overtime so Friday night was pretty exciting for me it went uh went went very late but it was all football all fun And I love watching these kids and even listening to the kids over speakerphone compete.
3: Yeah,
2: no doubt. Good run down there from Eugene. Of course, uh, does a lot of things in a lot of ways. And, of course, a big contributor and a big-time playmaker here, first here on Southern Sports Central. Of course, I was at a game that, uh, well, it was interesting if you were the Fort Rochester Patriots and an opportunity if you were the Stahl Warriors. Of course, uh, R.B. Stahl came over to the Fort, and it was homecoming. And, boy, it was one – for the uh, Fort to remember, they ended up scoring 42 points in the first quarter. That first half, first quarter, and I can break it down a little bit better. The defense scored 21 points. The offense scored 14. Special teams, seven. And then, I tell you what, you got to give your uh, give your cap to uh, the head coach over there at the Fort. Coach Pratt pulled out his starters with two minutes left in the first quarter. They started having the running clock going into the second quarter to the end of the game. The final was 70 to nothing. Of course, uh, this is a game that you want to, you know, learn a lot from. Both teams can kind of get some things out of. Now, if you're Fort, you wait on West Ashley. That's Friday night. That's at West Ashley. That is going to be our game of the week. I know it seems like the Fort kind of gets uh, an opportunity after playing the likes of Goose Creek, they will also be highlighted again this week because if they find a way on Friday night, they will clinch a playoff berth in week four that will automatically eliminate if Somerville, by the way, playing at Ashy Ridge, if they find a way to win, then they will also clinch a spot in the playoffs which will eliminate the bottom three teams in that region. That is a conversation across the state. If you've ever wanted an exciting season, you got one. Yes, it's not the long season that we want, but some things are short and sweet, and that's what this season is. Look up the road at Socrates, a team that no one thought that the Braves would be anywhere in the conversation of a playoff. A brand-new coach Hampton comes in, says he's got to change the culture, got to get the kids to buy in. He just needs a few games to do it. They lose the opening game in week one to Sumter by a few touchdowns. They then go and beat St. James by coming back. And then they find a way to beat Conway. Eugene, I know you kept up with that one.
4: Yeah, I was uh, hitting you up a little bit. I was seeing the scores come through, and I was a little shocked. <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, Probably hit the phone up my hand. But the way that, you know, I, I really wasn't sure what to expect. I mean, a lot of the talent, as, as we've discussed, With that, they kind of have a little bit of that school option choice thing up in the Myrtle Beach area. And uh, a lot of those kids have gone over to play for Mickey and Myrtle Beach. A lot of this you know, players that, that that'll be playing at the next level have done that recently. And so well, uh um, Hold
2: on. You know, well, hold, really on. hold on, sure. I want to correct you on this real quick. I, I'm I'm ninety percent that it's not a school of choice up in Orange County. I I I, I don't think that's the case. However, yes, there's a lot of kids from Zagasy that have made their way to Myrtle Beach. And I didn't mean to interrupt you, I just want to make sure from my understanding, and I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure Ain't much of a choice uh, other than the, a choice to move, but again, that's not that's not a school where they have failing <laughs> grades. And if I'm not mistaken, you got to have failing grades in a school district to have school of choice. Orange County is one of the best counties in the state of South Carolina when it comes down to schools, brother. I just I, look, yeah. it is what it is. I don't know how they get where they got. Don't really care. I just don't want to put out the wrong information where people in Horry County think that they can start kind of putting up hats across the table and uh, pick up a hat and move to another high school. Go ahead,
4: buddy. Yeah, I'm going to have to clear that up because uh, that was mine, you're right, because I don't think Socrates or any of those are considered Title One schools, uh, but my understanding was that Horry County, similar to Charleston County, does have uh, where you can kind of move on over, and if, and if the ADs you know, sign off from the school you leave, you could be eligible immediately. You know, there it was actually there there are more counties that do that than let on and that, that weren't part of that litigation, uh that went to court that involved, you know, some of the state charter schools and, and because they just didn't want to be involved. But Charleston County and Ory County is my understanding are counties where you can actually move around schools. But besides the point, um, you know, with the new staff coming in, uh At Sox I really wasn't sure. I mean, let's face it. I mean, for a 5A school, it's one of the smallest 5A schools in the state. Uh, I've always thought maybe they should try to, you know, lobby to move down to 4A. But I understand with the region and and rivalries and all that stuff. But, you know, and I thought, you know, we've had a bunch of the players and coaches on for Conway. I thought, you know, this is another year they were going to kind of move up. They got the young quarterback and running back. And, you know, they've always had some good defensive players and skill guys. So, you know, I'm sitting there texting you while I'm at the other game and saying, I can't believe this. You know, I mean, it sounded like it was a low score and he just kind of knocked down drag out. And sure enough, he pulls out the win. So, big kudos to your alma mater and going there and uh, getting that W on Friday night and living the fight another day.
2: Yeah, no doubt about it there, brother. We were excited to see uh, that score come across the board. And I got some research earlier today from a parent said, uh, you know, Rich, I gotta be honest with you, they didn't score until the end of the game. It wasn't as close as it looked, and that's a lot of times the case. But I gotta give it to Coach Hampham, my Braves over there doing it big. And here's the thing. All they gotta do, and I know I say all they gotta do, but all they gotta do is find a way to beat that Carolina Forest Panther over there on five oh one. It is homecoming for Soccer City. It is homecoming for Soccer City. It is our game of the week on, on the Grand Strand. Brandon Biscoe Bing will be calling that game, but he'll be doing it. As the voice of the Panthers of the Carolina Forest, right. we'll be talking to him on uh, Wednesday night as he'll fill in for Eugene. Eugene is going to be on the Thursday night show with Miss V, where the High School Blitz will release a lot of information on what we're talking about tonight, and that is the debut. Amazing 88 man roster coming to you from the upper state to the lower state. The best of the best will collide in the middle of the state in Columbia. It's going to be aired right here on Southern Sports Central. <laughs> And I'm going to tell you this: research, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, should you research things before you commit to things? And I'm going to leave it at that.
4: That's all I'm going to say, Eugene,
2: about that. And that is that big time factor
4: in life. I will tell you. And uh, I just before I've uh, missed out on it, a very good friend of ours and, and regular, you know, listener and contributor. We definitely got to give a shout out to him for getting his first big win. And oh, by the way, Kim against my alma mater, and that's Coach uh, Jamar McCoy and the James Allen Trojans. You and I were following along, you know, while we were doing all of our other stuff at the games we were and back and forth with some of the scores that we were seeing. And, you know, here we are, I get in, and it's a, you and I talked, I think it was about, what, twelve fifteen in the morning? And I just looked at my phone and I said, oh, my God. You know, McCoy gets a win that's against my high school. So I put it out on Twitter, you know, tagged McCoy and some of the other coaches that we know uh, you know, Coach Brown, Devin Brown, and Curtis Williams over there, the old line right. coach, and I just was like, man, you guys finally got that uh, monkey off your back, and you did it against my high school. And you know, they were all very gracious and loving for it. And I know those guys were happy. So, you know, we definitely you got to reach it. You got to send our love and shout out to uh, our guy, Coach McCoy. He's always been a great dude to the show since day one. He moved down here from North Carolina. So, congrats to him and the Trojans and the old staff over there.
2: Yeah, that's a big one. How about this one? How about Johnny Waters over there at First Bad picking taking up their fifth win, if I'm not mistaken. It may be their sixth win, Eugene. I'm going to need to research that one. But uh, I do know it was against Hampton, who has in a long, long time. And, I mean, they won in a thriller. <laughs> seven to six. I mean, you talking about meeting Hammonds, their first region loss in four years came to first Baptist who won it seven to six. And then I got to tell you, I don't care what league, what level, what type of action. It was amazing. Will Daniel, Jalen Hayward, Alex Magnus. So many guys played so many roles in these games that I got to give them some love along with Johnny waters and that first Baptist team who improve again with another victory to, if uh, again, I believe, Eugene, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but for some reason I think it's has them sitting somewhere around five and zero or six and zero. I wouldn't
4: well, say six zero Yeah, both teams were five and zero coming into the game, so that now puts right. them at six and zero uh, and Hammond at five and one. The trick is that team uh, that first half just played from August, I believe it was, and they were up mm-hmm. by a point. And uh, the other team may have called it for rain and said they weren't going to reschedule it. You know, and, and by our rules in South Carolina, they had played enough for it to be considered a game.
3: In Georgia, there was
4: some argument about it not being a complete game. I don't know. All I know is that when they called the game, my man was ahead, so I'm giving them the W, and they're uh, they're still undefeated in my book. Either or, but uh, Here we go. what it had listed on the pregame was that uh, first Baptist was five and zero, um, and you know Hammond was five and zero as well. So they're still undefeated. And I tell you, it was six to nothing going into halftime. So they held that team that, that they didn't score the second half. You know, and they put up that touchdown, got the extra point for the win. You know, those little ones, those little uh, those extra points matter. <laughs> it sure does, because that's what put them over the top. So um, you know, good job by those guys and Coach Waters. You know, because as soon as that game was over, my man packed up and went and saw his uh, superstar receiver from last year, Sincere Brown, down at uh, UCF in Tampa. And he and his wife packed up and took off as soon as they could to get down to Florida to watch that game. So, kudos to him and uh, congratulations to the Canes.
2: Yeah, no doubt there. We're going to talk about a couple things before we go to break. When we come back, it will be at 6.30. We'll be checking in with the man that we call, of course, uh, the legend, if you will. He has his own intro music because we will break him in with that Stone Cold Steve Austin song, uh, Eugene, so you can cue it up when we come back from break and bring him back with that. Of course, that's going to be Kevin Villadeu, our CBS affiliate over there at, of course, Channel 5, Live 5 Sports will be in here in about uh, 10 minutes, give it or take some. Here's some Russian leaders around the low country. If you're checking out the top five in the rushing area, it's gonna be Connor Rourke, a Palmetto Christian running back. He's got uh, I want to say somewhere, somewhere around 660 yards on the ground. Mr. Davian Brown, first Baptist, he's got five ninety-five. Then you've got Mr. Jalil Porter from West Ashley. I'll see that cap one on one come Friday night, three seventy-seven. Kendall Kerrickson, a Palmetto Christian young man with 359 rushing yards. And Dwayne Wright, the running back from the fort at 306. Going down the line and throwing it around on a Friday night. Started off with Will Daniels. He's sitting there with 1286, 102 throws and 59 completions, 12 touchdowns. TJ Hatchett from Pinewood Prep, another skeezy young man getting those numbers up. Again, they played a little more games than the – public schools they've got he's got 828 he's 83 for 175 connor rort palmetto christian 43 58 616 yards and trey minor sitting there from berkeley he's got 35 for 63 595 zoltan osborne sneaks out the bottom side with a
3: completion
2: of 26 42 for 546 yards Looking at the receiving side of life, it is Jalen Hayward, the First Baptist young man. He's got 14 catches for 486 yards. Corey Morix from St. John's Christian, 23 completions for 389 yards. Doug Fishborn from First Baptist, 11 completions for 334. And P.J. Wright, Pinewood Prep, 16 catches for 285. I want to give some of the other guys some love because, again, the public schools, are a little bit behind those of the skeezer guys. They started a few weeks earlier. O.J. Washington is the first public school guy at Fort Dorchester, nine catches, 261 yards, and three touchdowns. Berkeley's Marion Mitchell, nine completions, 232 yards. And looking around again, you've got to look at tackles. We've got to start off down here, and you've got to give a lot of love to uh, Phillips Simmons, Tyler Harper. He's got 31. Hannah Hans, Alex Harriet with 30. Then you go down and look around, Caleb Edwards with 25 from West Ashley. Big-time numbers doing big-time things. And, again, guys, you start to kind of look around. We got more numbers. We'll share them in a little while, Eugene. But just want to continue to, to show love to the Skiza guys. We loved on them because they were the first group. They got out there. They balled out on Friday nights under the lights. But now that everybody's under the lights, we want to make sure that we're fair, and that we make sure that everybody gets that attention because there's a lot of guys doing a lot of things. And i got to be honest with you, this is a very special season for a lot of these up-class, I would say seniors, because we have no idea what tomorrow brings these guys. It's as if you are going to Myrtle Beach in July and looking for a hotel room is about the same feeling, Eugene, that these guys are going to have when it comes to looking for a place to play football this time next year.
4: Yeah, it you know for all these guys that's uh you know especially these uh juniors you know hopefully they'll still have they'll have a full season uh to look forward to that next year. These seniors as we talked about, you know, fortunately compared to their courts in baseball and, and and the spring sports, you know, they at least so far have had a season. Uh, many of them have had a chance to have that senior walkout and the Oceanside did their um senior night uh this past friday night homecoming be next week you said fort d had their homecoming last friday night we've seen that around kind of around the state and especially around the area lately but um you know these seniors man is got to make the best of it uh ball out because you only have a few opportunities left you know and you you never given anything so take the best of it you know we have talked about that before you know the Something could happen. We, we we knock on wood, cross our fingers and toes, that it doesn't. But, you know, the game could be taken away from anybody at any time or all of us, as as we saw uh, just a few short months ago. So, um, you know, words of the wise for these uh, seniors, man, make every single play, every practice play, every game play count because you just never, never know. And if you're trying to get to that next level, you know, you got to have be scrounged and filmed, and we can't say enough. Get your name out there. Get on social media. Use it for the right reason, not the wrong one. And make sure you are trying to reach out to every coach, every program. Now's not the time to be sulking because you didn't get that offer from Clemson. Now's the time to find you a place somewhere. Somebody's got a roster spot somewhere. Don't be afraid to travel. Go get that education and go ball. That's uh, kind of what I think uh, has been our motto all along the season, especially for the 2021s. So what we'll do now, uh, speaking of which, you you were uh, bringing up, I don't know, one thing I I wish we would see when you were talking about these numbers from all these low country kids, I really wish more of the coaches, uh, and it might be they just don't have enough time or something, um, Would would everybody would use the same source. It seems like most of the coaches in the state uh, use the max preps, but you do find a lot of programs that don't. Some coaches don't believe in putting it out there. They don't want to you know, kinda of put all their numbers out there for the opposing teams to scout or whatnot. But it surely does help uh for kids to be able to share that information and for coaches and because it's such an easy tool like on Max. If you want to go to South Carolina, you can drill down to just South Carolina and just running backs and you can see who has the most yards, the most carries, you can see who has the most touchdowns, yards per carry and all that good stuff. So, you know, one thing I, I hope maybe we can get uh our good friends at the Blitz, maybe we can get together at the next South Carolina coaches meeting and just impress upon these coaches, you know, not really for that, but if we're really trying to help kids get to the next level, that might be a good tool. And if we get everybody on the same page, you know, then you're not necessarily always comparing apples to oranges. We might be able to compare at least a red apple and a green apple and, uh, you know, kind of help these kids, again, promote themselves in a good light.
2: Yeah, I agree with you, man. And here's the thing: we got go a quick break. We'll take a about three minutes. We'll bring in Kevin Billado from the CBS affiliate down here in Charleston, South Carolina. Over there, of course, at Live Five News, Channel Five is alive and well, It will be right here at six thirty. But uh, you know, there is ups and downs and all arounds with each avenue. And again, to find out one source, maybe it's us, maybe it's us and our partner in the Upstate. These South Carolina high school blitz works together at the next coaches meeting and say, look, we're going to do it the right way. The problem is with Max Press is they're not very consistent. All right? We already saw that this week in a couple of different standings and a couple of different scores. They don't go back and research what they post. You got to be careful what you post because I tell you, if it's a, uh, a situation that becomes uh, not a fact and you can have a way to prove it, credibility goes, right out the window. Let's take a break, come back with the man, the myth, and that legend. We'll get a nice song here. We'll come in when he jumps on Eugene with uh, his famous Stone Cold entrance, all that and more, guys. Don't go anywhere. More Southern Sports
0: Central
5: next.
4: All right, Kevin, we got you on.
2: Let's go now to the Kevin, man, the Kevin. myth, and the legend, Kevin Villadu. Kevin, you with us, buddy? What's up, guys? Man, we are trying to get it all together. We got so much excitement, man. It is incredible. We played a little bit of that. It's my favorite time of the year intro, along with that CBS college football, SEC football theme. And then we just brought you in with Stone Cold, man. It doesn't get much better than this on a Monday night, buddy. I was like,
6: no, no, this is cranking right now. I'm loving it.
2: I did see you requested a game for Thursday night. Did you get any buyers on that opportunity?
6: No, I, I'm thinking someone's going to come through tomorrow, though. <laughs> I I'm I telling you, I like these Thursday night games.
2: Yeah, you know, like I've been that a big idea, fan of man, it so far. Yeah. Well, see, I think that you should honestly do, and, and, and I understand certain things, but I think the the rival games, like for example, like at Somerville and Ashley Ridge play on Thursday night. That would be great. Sure. It's a rival game. Yeah. They have their own headlines. In a non, we don't use that word around here, kind of year, it would have a massive amount of ticket sales. Not going to get that this year. But in a normal right. season, a season that we know so well, boy, would that not be an amazing opportunity. And then we could all go watch it. You know, We could all be a part of watching a good matchup and a robbery.
6: And, I mean, that's something I've talked about before is, you know, you play on Thursday night. These Friday night games, I, I love them. But, you know, when we're showing highlights on on Friday Night Lights at 11.15, you know, we're jamming through these. We're trying to fit in, you know, sometimes between 12 and 20 games on a Friday night. You play on Thursday night, you're playing one or two, you know, maybe a handful of games. You're going to get a lot more coverage. We're going to stay there a lot longer. So, you know, I've pitched before. I think it would be interesting if Skiza just played on Thursday night and just, you know, just got that whole night to themselves. You know, all the right. coverage would just go to right. to then. And then on, on Friday night then we cover the big guy. That's just the pitch I've got. I've got a lot. All right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we're
2: live right now with the man, the pitch man himself, Kevin Bilodou from CBS Sports, also live five sports out here in Charleston, South Carolina. Glad to have him with us as we do every Monday night to start off our red carpet guest list. And of course, we're talking high school football. I like the Thursday skeezer, Friday public schools, if you will, and, uh, again, that would give all those skis guys a lot of that opportunity. They would not be competing, if you will, against some of these other big teams, and I hate to undermine what it is, but it's no different than the FCS and the FBS, right? I mean, they're both important to us, but it's just the way the chain falls or the food chain goes here around the state of South Carolina. Now, that being said, we did have a lot of great football on Friday night, some more than others. Give me some headlines that you guys talked about on the show Friday night when the lights were cut off and you guys were cut on over there at live five sports.
6: Yeah. Well, I, I think the first thing you got to start with was our game of the week. And that was down in three a and Oceanside starting off the season at three, and zero, getting a win over art Craig and Timberland, you know, that, that was a fun game to see that that looks like it's going to turn into a really fun rivalry over the next few years, you know, with art Craig going against Joe call uh, art told us last week before the game that him and Joe have been friends for a while now. And, and it was fun for, for them to kind of go up against each other for the first time. And, you know, Joe gets the win in the first game. And, you know, we talked last week about how last Friday night's games, we're, we're really seeing almost playoff games at, th- at this point already, you know, which is odd for us this early in the season, but that's where we are. And Oceanside now really has that, that kind of leg up to win that region championship right now. And, you know, we're, we're seeing the same kind of things this week. There's already some regions where a team with a win this week could could a region championship which you know in the at, at this juncture of the season four or five weeks in we're not used to seeing that
2: yeah i agree with you and that's going sort of down to two way there was a battle the week before where woodland had an open date they decided to see where they were in the quality of life it was a non-region game going to abbeville didn't go the way with the score that i'm sure some of the uh woodland guys and girls thought it would go but they were able to get some experience they come back it went across the way over to Mount Pleasant side of life to Phillip Simmons, who, if I'm not mistaken, was 2-0 for the first time in their history. But it lasted yep. as long as that game, and at the end of that game, it was Woodland coming out was probably, at this point, their biggest win of the year. Yeah,
6: and that's setting up, not this Friday, but next Friday, it's going to be Woodland and Timberland. Now, this week, it's Timberland's turn to go over to Phillip Simmons. If they win that one, and Woodland wins their game. I think Woodland has Burke this week. Uh, That'll set up a game next Friday night with two undefeated teams, Woodland and Timberland, going for a region championship. That'd be a lot of fun.
2: Yeah, no doubt there. We stay around uh, that coastline. Let's go over to James Island. They hosted a team, Colleton County, the real McCoy. We love that guy here on Southern Sports Central. Got his first dub of the year, right? You got to start it somewhere. You got to build it from some point, and they got that win. And, the, of course, the Trojans win that win at home in front of a home crowd. Tell us about that environment and maybe some of the conversations that you've had with some of the Trojans after picking up that first signature win of Coach McCoy's early career at James Island. Yeah,
6: you know, like you said, you got to start somewhere. Might as well be against a region rival in Colladin County. So that, that's a nice win for them. Uh, you know, Colladin, they were in kind of a, a rough spot. You know, their second game got postponed because of uh, – because of positive COVID tests for the team they were supposed to be playing. So they were kind of sitting sitting around for a couple of weeks waiting to play while James Island, you know, they took a couple of tough losses before picking up that first win last week over the Cougars. And, you know, you keep looking – I looked at that region today. As, you know, I'm trying to go over standings a little bit earlier this afternoon. And that's just a tough region for James Island, not just because the teams are good, but you look at how much travel they've got to do in that region. You're talking – Collin right now is the closest team to them in football because Lucy Beckham, the team in Mount Pleasant that's going to start playing football after this season, you know, they're, they're not playing varsity football right now, so you can't play them. And then you're talking Hilton Head and May River and Buford, and that's just a lot of long trips for them. So that's, that's going to be tough for them this year, you know, until they start getting to play that Lucy Beckham team that's going to be a little bit closer to them. But it's going to be logging a lot of miles for Coach McCoy.
2: No doubt there, but he picks up that first one. And, again, it does start somewhere. We'll see if they can do it because they got some big dogs down there in that lower part of the low country that they have to not only travel to, but then they got to play them when they get there. Of course, that one will play itself out. Now let's go down to 1A before we hit the 5As. A good friend of all of ours, Sean Wright, lost his father before the game, kicked off on Friday night. If I'm not mistaken, I don't have the sheet in front of me, Kev, but uh, they pick up a win after a tough loss the week before to Baptist Hill. They pick up a big win. Uh, this past Friday, I would say in the honor of uh, Coach Sean Wright, Father, uh, tell us a little bit about some action around Cross and well around 1A football, and what do we uh, what have we learned out of that region around that classification this weekend?
6: Yeah, and, and you know Cross is a good team, and you mentioned the week before they they lose in triple overtime to Baptist Hill, and so that that's a tough loss for them. And you know we we mentioned you know the, the urgency we're seeing and. And another part of that is that, you know, only two teams per region are making the playoffs this year. So that really puts them behind the eight ball cross. And Baptist Hill, they suffered a tough loss this past Friday. Uh, they were hosting Whale Branch. And, you know, they, they got themselves out to a good lead. I believe they were up 20-9 to nine over Whale Branch at one point. And then Whale Branch came back and, and uh, shut them out the rest of the way and ended up going on for a victory over Baptist Hill. So now the Bobcats, They've also got a loss, so Cross needs to make up some ground if they're going to get into one of those two playoff spots for that region.
2: We're live right now with Kevin Villadeu. He is with Live 5 Sports. over at Live 5 News, a CBS affiliate here on Southern Sports Central, down in Charleston as he does it big time every time he hits the field, whether it be at this goal or that. We're talking all the way from 1 to 4. Now we go to the 5A. I call it the Power 5 football here around the state of South Carolina. And we start off over in the Berkeley County side of life. How about Coach Denny over there at Stratford? Picks up a win in week one against Somerville. Goes out, shows out in week three after losing to Kane Bay, but picks up a win against Wando. You talk about a signature season. Man, this guy here has a chance to really shake some things. They're still in the hunt for the playoffs. They got to do some work here. But uh, talk to us about Berkeley and, and of course, Goose Creek, Stratford, Wando and Kane Bay out of those re, out of that region, Kev? Yeah,
6: a, a lot of that region is just kind of jumbled up together. You know, a lot of teams with a, with a loss or two already, so really no one's been able to pull away. Goose Creek, they're kind of at the top right now because they've got that win over Berkeley from that first uh, Monday night of the season. So they're, they're kind of putting themselves on top right now. Berkeley, they picked up a win over Ashley Ridge this past Thursday. So that's setting up what's going to be our Live 5 game of the week on Friday night. As Berkeley plays host to Stratford, and really the team who wins that is going to have kind of their foot in the door for that second playoff spot right behind the Gators. So, you know, if Goose Creek can win out in that region, which won't be an easy thing for them to do, but if they do, they've got that playoff spot set, and then whoever wins this game between uh, Berkeley and Stratford this week, they're going to kind of have their foot up for that second playoff spot to head into the postseason.
2: Now, Kev, we got them across the border of I-26 into Dorchester County, where they, of course, have the other side of a classification and 5A region play Fort Dorchester just seems to be a team of their own. And that is a baseball movie called a league of their own. And at this point, I think that's a fair statement to say after the way they were able to kind of handle business with uh, a, a lot of players, if not all players, playing Friday night, Somerville. Somerville, backs against the wall, had to make sure they pulled that game out to control their own destiny, they find a way to beat a very good and, at the time, undefeated West Ashley team 3 to nothing. And then there's, of course, Ashley Ridge lost Thursday night and a tough one on the road at Berkeley. Talk to us a little bit about all these teams on this side of the region along with Stahl and how this guy, I believe, honestly, is doing the most with what he's got, and these guys still are playing hard.
6: Yeah, I think you're right that the Ford is really just head and shoulders above everyone else, at least right now. They, they really made themselves the class of the low country at this point, and they went out and they do what good teams do. They took care of business against a, a stall team that's not quite on their level yet. Uh, that West Ashley-Somerville game, you know, I, I've been here. This is my 17th year covering football in the low country. I'm 90% sure I've never seen a game finish 3-0. to nothing, as That one did. And, you know, I was there for the only field goal. I got, I got to Somerville, it was about, you know, eight minutes to go in the second quarter thinking I could just grab a couple of quick highlights and get out of there. And really, nothing happened that last eight minutes. So I stayed through halftime, you know, got a little bit more. Uh, West Ashley's first possession of that second half, they throw an interception in their own part of the field. So Somerville brings it back inside the five. They lose some yardage because of, of a penalty or two. And then they couldn't really move the ball, so they had to settle for a field goal. That field goal went through. It was the only point of the game. And like you said, that's a huge deal because now Somerville controls their own destiny the rest of the way. Uh, you know, to, to get that second playoff spot. Now, they still have to play for Dorchester, but, you know, Somerville's lost so far this season. That came against Stratford, and that's not a region game for them. So, even a loss to Fort, as long as they don't lose any more uh, uh, region games, that'll put the green wave into the postseason for this year.
2: Now, of course, the big matchups on that side are going to be on Friday night, Ashley Ridge and Somerville. I believe uh, Somerville host Ashley Ridge. That one will be a big one over in the Ville. And, of course, uh, Fort Dorchester is going to be on the road over there by the station where you work at at West Ashley. Those, of course, are, are big games. And uh, if, Somerville, if Somerville wins their game Friday night and Fort pulls their game and wins it, of course, that will eliminate West Ashley. The conversation is over, said, and done with, and it looks to me this is going to be a lot of uh, who got in and who fell out come out Friday night. Who are some of the games that we're looking forward to and on your slate when it comes to top games on the menu for you guys at Live 5 this weekend? Yeah,
6: well, like, like I said earlier, our, our game of the week is going to be up at Berkeley where the Stags take on Stratford. Uh, you mentioned that four Dorchester-West Ashley game. That's going to be a really good one. Uh, crazy, you know, a week ago we were talking about Ford Dorchester being 2-0 and and having their own destiny in the playoffs. And now another loss this Friday, and they're going to be out of the playoffs like you said. So, it's, it's crazy how in this, this season, the way things are working right now, how just how fast things can just flip on a dime for you right there. And, and your season can, you know, not not really be over, but your chance at the playoffs can just end right away. So those are, are really the two big games we're going to be keeping an eye on this week. I'm going to be at West Ashley myself uh, watching the four. It's one of three games I'm going to be going to on Friday night. So it's going to be a busy week.
3: Well, I look
2: forward to catching up with you there. Of course, uh, I'll be at that game calling it for the fourth there on uh, FD Sports TV. Of course, I know I'll get a chance to catch up with you. i got to ask you a couple things, man, uh, before I get you out of here because I know we don't have much time with you. Give me your breakdown in college football, man. We've got another Saturday in the books. Uh, the NBA has crowned a champion, the NFL. Well, we don't want to talk too much about it because I know you're probably not in the best of moods <laughs> with your Patriots. But give me kind of your breakdown in those three sports that we just talked about. and You can throw some baseball in there too, bud. Well, that's
6: a lot. Well, let's start with the NBA. The Lakers uh, won the championship last night. Uh, despite what headlines you might read, that was their 12th championship, because I'm not counting the five they won in Minnesota. So the Celtics still have the most with 17, and that's all we're going to talk about that. Uh, baseball, you know, the, NL- the NLCS kicks off tonight. The Braves uh, in game one of their series against the Dodgers. Uh, the ALCS with game two tonight. Uh, the-, the Rays beat the Astros last night to take a one-game-to-none lead. Uh, so that's how the baseball playoffs are shaking out. NFL is a mess right now. You know, we see seeing these games rescheduled. You know, the Patriots, Whoever, I'm sure your listeners know I follow the Patriots. We're supposed to play yesterday, then the game got moved to today, and now the game's been moved to next Sunday. So that's just a mess, and we're seeing games moved all over the place. And, you know, it, it looks like my guess would be they're going to have to push the season back a couple of weeks at least just so everyone can get all these games in. And in college football, you know, Clemson, they're really looking like the class of, of college football right now. You know, the way they handled the seven ranked, seventh-ranked team in the country with Miami going into Death Valley, they had no problems. And that's, you know, then you're seeing Alabama, who gets in a, in a shootout against, uh, against Lane Kiffin and, and his old Miss team. So that was interesting to see. But I, I really like the way Clemson's playing right now.
2: Yeah, Kev, I got to be honest with you, man. We're getting our money's worth. In football in the state of South Carolina, feel pretty good about college football, but it's going to be, I know you're a wrestling guy, you'll like this analogy, it's kind of like the Royal Rumble, right? We started off with the ACC and the Big 12, here comes the SEC. Wait a minute, the bell just rang, the Big 10's on their way, and in a couple (laughs) of weeks after that, it'll be the Pac-12. Who do you think's standing at the end of this whole massacre of college football and this whole bring them in one at a time?
6: Yeah, it's, it's just a mess. But, I, you know, I really, like I said, I like the way Clemson's been playing and the fact that they've kind of, you know, been able to have as normal of a season as you can have right now, you know, starting, starting early and then just playing right through. I, I think that's going to end up playing to their advantage when this is all said and done.
2: Man, I can't wait, dude. We'll get you back in here on Monday night. I'll see you over in West Ashley on Friday night. Give yourself an opportunity for our listeners to follow you, how to catch up with you, and what's happening coming up
6: at the end of the week. Absolutely. Well, you can follow me on Kevin Live Five. That's on social media, and uh, you know a lot going on Friday Night Lights coming up 11:15 uh, on Friday, and don't forget uh, our our tailgate show 4:30 on our OTT app, and, and you can watch it on Facebook and Roku and Apple TV, and you know that's that's become a cool little thing that we're doing, just kind of previewing all the games. We're just going to start going over the standings uh, this week, and and just taking a, a quick look at what's coming up that night in, in high school football.
3: Man, we got
2: to remember that, uh, Eugene. So let's write down some notes as we can give uh, Kev some plug, man. Hey, go be with that fam. Thank you for being part of our fam on Monday nights and every other night that we need you, buddy. We look forward to it. And I'll see you out on the field Friday night under the lights, buddy.
6: Sounds good, guys. You have a good week.
2: All right. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. That is Kevin Bilodeau, our connection with Live 5 News and Live 5 Sports. CBS affiliate right here in Charleston does a great job. He is, of course, And you heard it. He's a New England Patriot guy who is, oh, it's got to be a tough one right now for some of those guys. But don't worry. The Patriots will be fine, and so will their fans. Eugene, I bring you back in for about seven minutes. Seven minutes. We'll go to break. We'll then head from Charleston, South Carolina, to the Queen City of Charlotte with Reginald Walker Jr. He's got college football on his menu with us tonight. Also talking a little bit about that NBA final game last night. The NFL played some football over the weekend as well, and then like we talked about, oh, can the Dodgers do what I need the Dodgers to do because it's been a pretty sweet season for me, man. Every single weekend, you know, I can count on at least three out of my four teams to win big. That, of course, uh, starts on Friday, right, Friday night. we've uh, Or even a Thursday has been the Dodgers. The Dodgers have been winning, doing things big. Then Friday night, the fort they come in, they've been handling business. My game, ooh, thank you this weekend. You did what you needed to do. And on uh, Sunday, we didn't get a game with the Packers, but usually the Packers are winning too, man. So it's kind of a pretty good sports season for me, man. I don't know all this complaining about playing or not playing, but I know when my teams are playing, they're playing. They're getting it done. Now the Gamecocks are on this wagon. So hopefully uh, Champ can figure this thing and we can keep moving the chains and doing the things that need to be done so that I can keep having these clean sweeps there, Eugene. How about you, man? How's the weekend going for you and your teams?
4: <laughs> you had to bring that up, didn't you? Now, um, you know, it, 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 you know, my baseball teams, the Red Sox and the Cubs, are are out of it. So, you know, we're, we're looking forward to next year. We'll get things straightened out, I, I guess. Uh, you know, high school football, the, the Sharks won. That was a big win. Being there and watching a kid that I've trained uh, for a while, you know, do perform really well on the field, and a bunch of the kids that I've known for so many years uh, just get that big win. And, and for Coach Call and Coach Offer and Coach Crosby and and uh, <clears throat> Coach Rivens and the whole staff over there at Oceanside, you know, it's a pretty big deal. You know, with with losing 98% of your offense, and everybody knows, everybody recalls all the stars and all the points, you know, a team that scored 56 points on average and gave up 12 points per game last year, uh, set all kind of records. You know, I guess a lot of people, you know, moving up to 3A as well, uh, probably didn't expect a whole lot. Um, Coach Call comes in and takes over the helms and hires a bunch of, you know, some some young coaches and some well-established coaches. And uh, for them to get that, that region win over a guy that's uh, such a well-known commodity and well-respected coach and Art Craig, a guy that I hold in high regard, and he just does things the right way and he wins, wins, wins. You know, he's won two state championships and gosh knows how many titles. I know until last year he had won the region something like 12 years in a row over there at Timberland. Um, did, was one and Hanahan was 1-9 and before he got there. And if you looked at the first two games, I think they, were, they hadn't given up a single score. Uh, I think they were averaging, you know, 40 or so points a game. So that was a heck of a big win to be there, part of that. So that was worth celebrating. And uh, my Gators just went out and uh, had the chance to put the game away and win the game and coughed it up at the 50-yard line. Ended on a field goal with as time expired to Texas A&M, so that was really disappointing. Now, my two NFL teams, my Cowboys, uh, everybody knows what happened to Dak. He went into surgery. I hear the surgery went well last night. Uh, and then my Saints are about to kick off here in a little while. So, we'll see how Breezy and the Saints can do tonight. Uh, your Packers are you whipping on them. And, you, so, uh, it's, it's two, not going so well. You got
2: two so teams well. in every sport. You got two teams in every sport, bro. We got, that's a yeah. foul. That is, well, a foul. That, is a, that is a man card foul. We are probably going to have to put you on suspension and take this man card, bro. You've got two teams in baseball, two teams in college football, two teams in the NFL, two teams in the major leagues. Man,
4: you're all about See, that, too. What is, what is, I never realized well, that until tonight. How happened was I had to be my own man and pick my own teams, but in my family, you were raised. <laughs> when it came to NFL football, you were raised. Yeah. You had no choice but to be a Cowboys yeah. fan. Your Sunday started you let, like this. Mama woke you up and fed you breakfast. Your butt was in church sitting right next to her in the pew. You had to sing. You had to read. You had to stand up. If you didn't shave, you got hit in the back of the head. Reggie and I were talking about that this week. I can't tell you how many shots to the back of the neck that we got for, you know, being a little silly or maybe not singing or mumbling or whatever. Uh, but church was over my man, man went and got, started frying the chicken or picking up a bucket of chicken. Uh, one o'clock or four o'clock, whatever time it was, the TV was on, and she would sit in her chair and she would make one comment. Shut up. The Cowboys are playing. So that's how my youth was spent when it came to them. Uh, my sure granddaddy is. was sold insurance and was off of work every day about three o'clock, picked us up from school, went to the house with a WGN game on was the Cubs. And he nicknamed me Bear when I was a kid, so I always followed the Cubs. And then, you know, I always kind of liked the underdogs, so I started pulling for the Red Sox as well back when they had Manny uh, Ramirez and those guys and Pedro Martinez. And, you know, these are teams that you can't say I picked a winning team. Neither team had won a World Series in 86 years for the Red Sox and 108 for the Cubs. So you can't give me too much slack on my baseball teams because when I started following those guys, they Oh, hadn't I'm not won giving you any slack over the teams you
2: picked. I just – I, I'm just giving yeah. you hell because you just – I mean, I'm want to so hit you in the back of the head for having two teams. I mean, you ain't living at <laughs> Maymay's house. Every, everyone
4: doing. has a story, but, man. Every, I it, it's it. I was a Redskins
2: <laughs> fan, and then I saw the light, And it had Brett Favre in it. And I said, what's up, Brett? He said, hey, come over here. I said, okay, <laughs> you got Sterling Sharp and Brooks and all these
0: dudes. I like what I see.
2: Now, you know, I left the yeah. posse that was over there with Art Monk and Gary Clark and Ricky Sanders. I mean, they had some dogs. I get it. But I grew up. I moved out of Mama's house. and moved into my house, and then I put my stuff. <laughs> I get it. Yeah, I'm busting your child a little bit here on the, on the Monday night, but yeah, it, it's funny because me and me and I know somebody else that gives you a hard time on you having two teams. And I don't know if uh, I don't know if they're listening or not, but nevertheless, man, it's all in fun and and uh, it is what it is. I mean, you got two teams and ain't none of them winning. I mean, your Gators were winning, and then they blew a lead down in in Texas A&M. And let me ask you a question. That's got to hurt twice. Once. Because of Texas A&M and it's the SEC twice because it's the guy that coaches Texas A&M that spent all that time, Jimbo Fisher, at Florida State. Isn't that kind of like losing twice in one night? Kind of like getting fired on your day off? What's it feel
4: like? Yeah, because when he was at Florida State, uh, that was when Florida was kind of going through some coaching issues, and uh, he just uh, kind of had their number that was right at the end, the last year of, um, of Urban Meyer's tenure, and they kind of went on a four-game streak, I think it was. Uh, when they won the national title and beat Florida a couple times, and so Florida's kind of been getting whipping. Florida State, everybody knows they suck uh, presently, and hopefully <laughs> for the rest of uh, their existence. <laughs> but um, so so you know Jimbo just kind of getting that win, and it was just you know Florida Florida was just up on them, and it, you know here's what we learned, and I've seen a lot of people talk about it, and I even saw Reggie mention it in a tweet either this week or last week. One thing we've learned: there's no more worrying about running up the score. Just don't take your foot off the gas until the fourth quarter hits 0, zero, zero because you never know. I mean, A&M just started running the ball. Now, I'll, I'll admit it, and some of the former Florida players have admitted it, our defense is trash. We were absolute garbage this year on defense. And even when they weren't winning a bunch of games, even when uh, – your head coach, Muschamp, was down there. They still had a great defense. They just couldn't score. Now they score 50 points and lose 52 to 50 or something crazy like that. I mean, you know, it's just it's just like you said, you know, I'm not saying asterisk season. It's just one of those weird seasons. But then again, like I said, you just got to win. And when you're up, you got a two-touchdown lead, don't take your foot off the gas. Stop changing it up. Don't run out. worry about running out the clock. Stay the course. Play your game throw when you need to throw run when you need to run, mix it up, put the game away, and keep it away. Don't put it away and put it in your pocket and say, oh, we got this, because you don't. We see a lot of teams. Look at Alabama. They gave up probably the most points they had, I think they said, in Saban's career there in one game right. to a former offensive coordinator. You know, and that's a game they could have lost. You get a wrong turnover, you get an injury to a key player, that team's only down, and they get that momentum switch, uh, switch. I mean, you know, I saw it in the high school game Friday night. You know, the the right. team, uh, Hanahan, was running the ball, running the ball, eat, eating up clock, eating up clock, typical for Coach Craig. They're very well disciplined, don't have a lot of penalties, and just four yards, cloud of dust, bang, 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 bang. Second half, Coach Alford had a good halftime speech. Their boys didn't give up a single first down in the second half. That's the thing, is, man, you control that momentum, but you don't let up. And that's just, you know, it seems like Florida did, and again, they had the chance to put the game away right there at the end and uh was driving down the field and coughed it up right in the middle of the field and led to a field goal with two seconds left. So uh, it was so frustrating. Uh call was texting me and uh, another Gator fan was texting me and I just was uh I was I was upset and then I had to sit <laughs> there with uh my girlfriend and listen to her Clemson Tigers roll another win and it's a nice they always win, win. All right.
2: This is the part where you have two teams that works out for you. Your other team – and, Reggie, I know you're listening. Go ahead and prepare for the top of the hour because I'm going to ask you, do you lose a man card by having two teams in every sport? That is going to be our topic to start off, Reggie, in hour number two. As uh, Eugene's uh, Florida Gators were beat on the road to College Station, but as Cox went to Vanderbilt and sang all the way back to Columbia with a dub. So, we got to go to break. When we come back, we will head – to the Queen City of Charlotte, North Carolina with our big guy, Reginald Walker, Jr. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back, everybody. Hour one is in the books as we want to thank Kevin Bilodeau, our CBS affiliate from CBS Sports and Live 5 News, for joining us as he always does on a Monday night matinee here at 630. He always is on time, and he did everything he could to give us the updates and all around of what's happening in the low country. We take the bus. We drop it off somewhere in the Queen City in Charlotte, North Carolina, with the man, as we call Reggie, Mr. Reginald Walker, Jr. What's up, big time?
1: What's going on, guys? Happy Monday to you. Uh, What a season we have going so far.
2: Man, do we ever. My brother, did you hear the poll question that only you, by the way, get a chance to answer? Do you or don't you lose your man card for having not one, but two teams in every sport across the board? Have you heard of such a thing? I'll let you uh, respond.
1: Well, I'm on cheat because I'm single. So, yeah, you lose your man card. But if I wasn't yeah. single, I would say you don't lose your man card if the other team is her team. Because at the well, end of the bit- day, you better make sure she's happy. And, it's, and and even more more so, I just want her to want to watch football with me. That's all I'm asking. I get it,
2: man. And, Eugene, I want you to chime in here, big guy, because uh, that's what happens. So, Eugene's got two teams in the NFL, two teams in college, two teams in baseball. I don't know about basketball. I'm just going to go ahead and say he's got two teams in badminton, water polo, and marble racing too. And it's because uh, he grew up in Grandma's house, but he uh, forgot to bring his uh, his man card with him. What's your thoughts on on, on all this, Eugene? Man, do you think you deserve to keep that card, my
4: man? Like I said, man, you don't have a choice in that family. You were raised Cowboys. Everything centered around uh, the Dallas Cowboys game on Sunday. It was breakfast, church. Uh, meal and Cowboys football after the game was over. You can go do whatever you want. But inside the house, as Reggie and I were talking about on Twitter, you got your head smacked if you didn't sing, if you didn't stand up, you didn't read out loud in search, and you got your head smacked if you talked during the Cowboys game unless you were cheering for them winning. Um, but, you know, I, I really just uh, – the Saints, again, that was a team. I love underdogs. They never won anything. Uh, Drew Brees is my one of my favorite players. Started following them about the time that Dickie was the head coach because I thought it was unusual he traded away about 50 million draft picks to get one player that didn't pan out. But um, same as the same as my baseball with the Cubs and Red Sox. You know the Red Sox hadn't won in 86 years, the Cubs hadn't won in 108. So uh, yeah, I go for the underdogs and. Once I uh, started following those teams a couple of years later, and you know, I told my son, he was uh, three years old. He was eight years old. He got to see something that I never got to see, and nor my grandfather got to see that he's named after, and that was the Cubs World Series and the Red Sox World Series. And they almost played for one the year, about a month after he was born in 2003. We always remember the Bartman ball and the collapse of the Red Sox that year. So uh, you know what? I, you got to give me some credit because of what Mike I just you know said. Oh, my team's the Yankees <laughs> and my team is this. They or the Dodgers and all these things. But for basketball, I'd have to say it's probably the Celtics because I I've, I'm not a basketball team person. I'm a player person. I've always liked Shaq, but my favorite basketball player all time, other than probably Jordan, was uh, Kevin Garnett. And uh, when he went to the Celtics, that was just really fun to watch. KG. I really loved watching him and uh, Stephon Marbury back in the day. Marbury came out of Georgia Tech and Kevin Durant out of high school back when they were with the T-Wolves. So I'm just more of a person player. I'm not an NBA fan. I'm definitely not a LeBron you. fan. i was well, kind of rooting well, for the Heat. Eugene, out I got to beat you up a little bit on that. Hold on a second. See,
1: I'm a, see we were all right on the back end. See, now I, I got to say I'm going to pray for Dak Prescott because I am. But almost everything you said was okay till you said the Cowboys. I can't sign up for that. I will not. My father is a devout. I have told people my father is not a football fan. He's a Cowboys fan. But I can't sign up for nobody that's no Cowboys fan. I got to love my dad. I do. <laughs> Shout out to him. I'm a junior. But I tell you what, a Cowboys fan, no, you're not okay in my house. Mm-mm. I can't let it happen. I can't let it happen,
0: Eugene.
1: I can't let it happen. I can't let it happen, but we all praying for Dak Prescott, man. That injury uh, yesterday was, was gruesome, man. That, that was hard to watch.
2: Definitely. And you know what, though, guys? that motivated. I, I got to be honest with you. You know, things like that, and, and for the spiritual ones in the room, which are all three of us, those are the things that bring teams together. And maybe that's what the Cowboys need. Maybe that's what they need. They need a guy to go down for the rest of those guys to get up. And for Cowboy Nation, which ain't me, and it ain't Reggie. Okay, I grew up in a Redskins household, Reggie, and I hear what he's saying about growing up, watching things. Look, I watched the posse, Art Monk, Gary Clark, Ricky Sanders, you name it. They were doing it. Donnie Warren at tight end, Ernest Beiner
1: at the running back position.
2: Me, they had Daryl Green in the background. He was doing it, man. It Martin was a,
1: Mayhew. Yeah,
2: woo, boy, I'm getting excited.
1: Alvin Walton. But then
2: I grew up, yeah. But then I grew up, and I something about Brett Favre and a Green. Standing beside Sterling Sharp, and a few other big names over there in Green Bay. I said, I like this thing. I became a Packer fan, and then I had a chance to yeah, go to my, Green Bay, Wisconsin. Whew. Good stuff.
1: I think the Minister of Defense probably helped that out. Rest in peace to the great Reggie White.
4: Amen to that, brother. Me and you both. Yeah, I, I'm all about that. You know, and it's, it's, the Cowboys, yeah, it's kind of like, I'm not wedded to the Cowboys. We're not even really dating. Uh, to be honest with you, I didn't even know Dak was hurt until I saw your tweet, Reggie. And that's when I flipped it over wait, to see what was going wait. on. I wasn't even watching that game. But the breeze, the, the, I've, I've already had the Saints pregame on for an hour and a half. So, you know, we well, I, it's just kind of, the Cowboys are kind of the wait. girl that I used to if love you and dating. I just kind of keep my eye on, but we ain't dating no more. Yes.
2: Wait, wait, wait. so, so you, a jealous, you a you a jealous ex-boyfriend. That's what you are. you a jealous <laughs> ex-boyfriend. You don't want her, but you don't want nobody else to want her. That was going on Eugene. I we, you can go we can't let him
3: go.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I don't want her. Look, let me tell you something. You can have don't her. Nobody want, her.
1: want them <laughs> cowboys but you,
0: Eugene. <laughs> I guarantee I tell, But, Richie Your you daddy made a great point. Them, because yesterday,
1: that football team, you could tell that the energy was different after Dak's injury, particularly on defense. And uh, I think a way to kind of uh, view that in certain ways is, you can look at the, Char- uh, the Carolina Panthers right now. Uh, they've won three right. straight without the services of Christian McCaffrey. And I don't yeah. think it's a negative to McCaffrey. What I think it is is uh, w- when you have uh, players that know they've got a guy that can make plays for them, I think sometimes you just watch. You, you find yourself watching – and waiting for that guy mm. to make all the plays. Think yep. at times you... Carolina found itself, you know, Teddy Bridgewater was like, I'm going to just get it to McCaffrey and let him make the plays. All these right. guys, you, you know, you kind of start to wait and watch. But then when you don't have that guy, the thing that hits your brain is when I get an opportunity, I got to make a play for all of these guys on this football team. And when everybody right. is thinking that way, Guys run hard like Mike Davis here in Carolina, or on the flip side right. uh, at, at at Dallas, all of a sudden Alden Smith becomes unblockable. Uh, those things mm-hmm. happen. Andy Dalton making plays with his arm and his feet. Um, all of a sudden yeah. Ezekiel Elliott started getting fed, and he started feeling good, getting stronger as the game went on. Right. So you start to watch those things, and you see how teams, you know, unite even tighter. And start to make plays for one another and obviously for the guy that went down. Well, I tell yeah, you, it, it could be worse. Yeah. It
0: because could, here's it could the be worse. One at of us it could like be a
2: this, Falcons fan. I don't know, dude. Yeah. I'm, I'm still going to be a Pal- Falcons fan before i Cowboys fan. No, sorry, Eugene. It, it would be, it would be, it would take a lot. It would be one of those things that it would be, I don't even know, if life or death. It'd be like, you know what, dude? I've lived 42 years. God, bring me home. I am not going to be a Cowboys fan.
7: They, it's just not in they got be the last
2: national Football fans.
1: League team left, and I'm still going to have to think about it.
2: <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh, there's so many scenarios I can't say on the radio that I would definitely,
0: oh, no way in the world.
2: <laughs> Let's move on, guys. Let's talk some football, though. Let's do this on Saturday. We'll come back to Sunday. Saturday game, man, the Red River robbery was every bit of what we wanted. Didn't think so. We thought Oklahoma was going to wear it away with it. We thought they were going to do what they were doing, and then all of a sudden Oklahoma did some Big 12-ish kind of things, and here comes, well, the Longhorns. Didn't last long other than a few overtimes, and it was a great game, great for ratings. A little bit they probably had. Didn't have a lot, I don't think, because the Big 12 playing that early in the day kind of tells you where they are in the world. But give me your thoughts on the Big 12 after another weekend of football. Did they do themselves any justice by the game in the Red River rivalry?
1: Uh, I'll say no, and the reason why I'll say no is because uh, not only did that game happen, but also TCU lost, and I, I think right now when you look at the sort of the top of that league, um, you look at Oklahoma State who's undefeated, uh, you look at a really good Iowa State football team, but unfortunately laziness continues to, to rear its head in college football and many people think that if Oklahoma and Texas are not good, 12 as a league cannot be good. Uh, I was one of those who over the last sort of year and some change, and and I think this year defensively we've got a little bit of an aberration to start the year in terms of how poorly defenses are playing. I don't think this is indicative of talent. I don't think this is totally indicative of scheme by coaches. I think it has to do with, the way you have to practice right now in terms of COVID-19, uh, the way you have to practice right now in terms of injuries. Because, again, guys, let's call this what it is. Uh, young players are playing more and more now because the older guys, if they're any good, they jump to the to the NFL really quickly. And if they're not any good and they're behind a freshman or a sophomore, they transfer. Uh, so when you look at some of these teams – You're either playing a bunch of young guys or, in some cases, it's a bunch of older guys that just aren't very good and probably shouldn't have been out there playing for you anyway. Uh, So you look at all those factors, and I, I was one of those who, as I was saying, over the last year and a half or two, since they got Alex Grinch from Washington, I was thinking that Oklahoma was starting to improve on defense. They looked pretty good in the first half of that game against Texas, but in the second half, man, the wheels fell off defensively the wheels were never on defensively for Texas uh the positive for me out of that entire game was we got to watch a lot of points get scored and Tom Herman lost again because I'm sick and tired of hearing about his overrated self as a head football coach in college football <laughs> and there you go
2: so that's the breakdown we're definitely not Tom Herman fans over there in the Walker household in Charlotte North Carolina let's move the game to the A T C. now Clemson Miami Boy, they built this one up like a hurricane party that never happened. 42-17, the final. It was in Death Valley. It was a minimal rainstorm coming from Miami. It was no way a hurricane in Death Valley. And then you had some other games around. Notre Dame did what Notre Dame, we thought they would do. Florida State is just really bad, not very good at all. North Carolina is probably one of, if not the second, the third hottest team in the ACC. But they don't win in big fashion, 56-45 to the 19th-ranked Hokies. Give me your breakdown out of the ACC after they get another weekend under their belt as they head into a big weekend coming up.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, tip your cap to Brent Venables one more time. That defensive effort against Miami was absolutely phenomenal. And remember on this very show last week, I talked about how Brennan Armstrong from Virginia was able to make a lot of plays with his feet against that Clemson defense. And I wasn't sure if it was Brent Venables not showing anything in advance of getting prepared for De'Eric King, or they struggled. Clearly, they just were struggling a little bit for whatever reason and probably not showing much because when we saw them against De'Eric King on Saturday night, with the exception of the one run, De'Eric King was held in check in the pocket mainly because, and guys, and Richie, you and Eugene will totally understand this, What they were doing, what I thought was excellent by Clemson, was discipline in the defensive front. If they wanted – if they said to themselves clearly, if we're going to collapse the pocket, we're going to collapse the pocket on De'Aaron King in the middle. And on the outsides, we're going to rush to a certain depth of the backfield, and we're going to stop. We're going to keep him in that pocket and collapse the pocket from the middle to push him either backwards or just go to the ground because the pocket collapses too much for him to be able to move around. And with the exception of, again, the one run, I believe it was uh, late in the second quarter, which led to some Miami points, De'Aaron King did not get loose with his feet throughout that football game. That was an excellent game plan by Clemson defensively, and offensively they just had too many athletes, whether it was ETN, Linjay Dixon, uh, Feaster, just too many guys out there making plays, Rodgers. Uh, as well, just making plays all over the football field. And Trevor Lawrence was was just making it happen. It was funny. uh, If it weren't for Dabo, with the ill-advised 60-plus-yard field goal attempt to end the half, uh, Miami probably does not score a touchdown in that football game. Clemson, head and shoulders above anybody else in the ACC, in my opinion, right now.
6: Let me ask
2: you this. When it comes to that running back, Etienne, Travis Etienne, do you feel like he is the man when it comes down to Heisman? I mean, he really, I thought, put a nice stamp on the conversation. I feel like it's his to lose at this point, even though I know Trevor Lawrence has been a guy. But let's be honest, this kid coming back was a very smart move because he can make a lot of the situation that we're going through in a positive for himself and his chances to win the Heisman for Clemson.
1: I still don't. I will put it this way: outside of any quarterback in college football, he is the front runner. I just feel like the Heisman has become a quarterback award. Um, it's one of those awards. I think. Look, if if Travis Etienne is not able to run for, and, and this is in an abbreviated year, if he doesn't run for over two thousand yards, I think there is no shot that he can win the Heisman Trophy. I just don't think the voters are going to give him that. I think the voters um, have fallen in love with quarterbacks, quarterback numbers. But think about this, guys. Remember something, okay? You look at it over the last few years. When Tim Tebow won the Heisman, he had 50 touchdowns, and that was considered just beyond belief. You got guys throwing for 50 now. So at the end of the day, I just think it's going to be difficult for Travis Etienne to win the Heisman. Do I think um, that somebody would be wrong if, if he continues at this pace? And at the end of the year, they say, the nation's most outstanding player is Travis Etienne, I have no problem with that conversation, no problem with that comment. The problem is lately with the Heisman Trophy, which the definition is the nation's most outstanding player, that has generally meant the nation's most outstanding quarterback.
2: We're live right now with Reginald Walker Jr. coming to us all the way from the Queen City of Charlotte, North Carolina, played for Joe Pa and the Penn State Nittany Lions does multiple things for multiple schools up there in that Charlotte area, along with some TV stations. And on Monday night, right here at 7 o'clock, he talks football with the fellas as we're going to talk SEC. Now, Alabama gave up 48 points. Last time I checked, Nick Saban is a defensive coach. Didn't look so good (laughs) coming out of that game against Lane Kiffin that said he couldn't cover him. I didn't know if he was talking about Lane against Saban on the field or offensively against defensively. But, man, I got to tell you what, Link Kiffin did everything he could, and I thought they gave that game away at one point. I thought they had Alabama's number. Talk about that game, and, of course, Georgia, they will be the team that plays Alabama next. They find a way to win big
0: between
3: the
2: hedges against a 14th-ranked Tennessee. Your breakdown around the SEC along with the Florida Gators losing over at College Station, buddy.
1: Yeah, simply put, let me start with Tennessee and Georgia first. I'll just keep it real simple there. Stetson Bennett has settled that football team, that program down at the quarterback position, making plays with his arm and his legs. Uh, Zamir White and those other guys in that backfield running the football hard. Listen, Tennessee is very much improved. They ain't ready for primetime yet. Shout out to what uh, Coach Pruitt is putting together, but they ain't ready for primetime yet, and we found that out when they they got on the field uh, against the Georgia Bulldogs, a team that I think – Uh, at this point especially, is the class of the East because clearly Florida's defense is not progressing. They are regressing. Uh, That was an an absolutely horrific performance. They gave up over 200 yards rushing uh, to a Texas A&M football team led by Jimbo Fisher, who is not known to turn around and hand the football off. So I'll let you guys do the math on that. And then getting to Alabama and Ole Miss, listen, there's two pieces to this. We, we agree Nick Saban is one of the best offensive minds we've probably ever seen in the game of football. But I've said this a million times. I don't know if there is a better play caller in college football than Lane Kiffin. And I, let me say that again. I don't know that there is a better play caller in college football than Lane Kiffin. And if you got somebody in mind, I want to hear it, and it better be a real good explanation because I haven't seen one better than Lane Kiffin In a long time. Kiffin is a great play caller. He also understands and knows how Nick Saban works. He was able, I guarantee you, Lane Kiffin went back and looked at film of his own football team and said, okay, we did this a lot on third downs. Nick Saban is going to call this coverage against those situations because that's what he expects. So I have to keep us off schedule. So I guarantee you on Lane Kiffin's big play sheet, whatever he was using, on third and intermediate on the right hash before Alabama, those were his second and intermediate plays on the right hash for the Alabama game. Everything he did, he flip-flopped it because he knew Nick Saban would be all over the tendencies and be prepared for those, and that's why he was able to find some creases against that Alabama defense. But I tell you what, the reason why Nick Saban is still undefeated because Mac Jones right now, Again, he may be the hottest quarterback, especially with the deep ball and all of college football right now, pitching that thing around the yard looking real smooth doing it.
2: No doubt about it. Now, the AP poll, top ten, came out week six. Clemson, Alabama, Georgia, Notre Dame, North Carolina. Ohio State. Oklahoma State. Cincinnati. Penn State. And Florida Gators. Got to heard the change of voice because there's teams they play it. Ohio State at six. Penn State at nine. Now, I don't want to knock on your your Nittany Lions because I know that's a soft spot. But what's your thoughts on the top five? We even go top four because those are the only four that get into the playoffs.
1: Let me say this. I'm going to knock them for you. To me, if you haven't played a game yet, you should not be in the poll, period. Period, point blank. And I know I'm a Penn State guy, and that might make a whole lot of people in Happy Valley mad. Oh, well, get over it. They ain't played a game yet. The Buckeyes ain't played a game yet should not be ranked, in my opinion, if you have yet to play a football game, particularly in a season like this year. Uh, With that being said, listen, I I think, you know, I still feel like uh, Florida's going to have something to say about the SEC East. Um, They're going to get their shot at Georgia. I mean, that's the bottom line. That game in Jacksonville, I think, is going to be for the East. Um, I'm looking forward to watching that game because I think it's going to be very entertaining. Um, I think you're going to see two really good football teams. And and let's face it, I can almost guarantee you it's going to be a party in Jacksonville at that stadium out there because we already know Dan Mullen's clamoring for full stadiums at the University of Florida this coming weekend. You can best believe by the time they go to Jacksonville to play Georgia, that stadium is probably going to be, I would say at minimum, 50% passing for the, I'm still going to call it the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. Uh, And so, uh, look, I I think Alabama and Clemson, uh, despite what we saw from Alabama defensively on Saturday night against Ole Miss, I think Alabama and Clemson are still the classes of college football. Uh, The main reason for that is because they can continue to control the line of scrimmage. Uh, I think North Carolina has got to get tested again. Um, I think Virginia Tech, uh, you can't give up that many points to a Virginia Tech football team that did not start the game with their best quarterback, at least in my opinion, in Hendon Hooker. Uh, so so there's no reason uh, to give up those kinds of points uh, when that guy did not play uh, the entirety of the game. On the flip side of that, I think North Carolina, uh, they've got to be a little bit more balanced at times. I love what Sam Howell's doing, but they've got to be able to consistently run the football. They've got a young secondary, young players all over that roster. They need a little bit more seasoning before I'm going to say uh, that that's a playoff-ready football team, but I think they're on the way. Uh, I think Georgia – Listen, if Stetson Bennett continues at this pace as the real deal, I think that's a playoff team because they'll probably beat Florida. Uh, If not, if they can't beat Florida and Florida beats Georgia and runs the table the rest of the way, I think Florida is going to easily be a college football playoff team depending on what happens between them and presumably Bama, but I'll say the winner of the Auburn-Alabama game uh, in, in the SEC championship game. So I think right there you're looking at an SEC champion Maybe the SEC runner-up, but you're definitely staring at Clemson being in the mix because uh, I don't think anybody else is going to beat them. And then that last spot, it's going to depend on what do the Buckeyes look legit when they start playing. And, and, and again, it's a weird schedule. They're going to play Penn State the second week of their season. So, right there, you're going to get a top ten. I don't know why they're ranked again, but you're going to get a top ten clash <laughs> right there in the second week for those two teams so, what, Because I'm, I'm going to argue right now that unless Wisconsin goes pretty much undefeated, I don't think you're going to see two Big Ten teams in the college football playoff. So right there was, is going to be an elimination game uh, with Ohio State and Penn State very, very early, uh, the weekend of Halloween, actually. Uh, so right then and there, if the Buckeyes win that game and they're sitting at 2-0, I think all they have to do is continue to win their games and they'll find themselves in the playoff as well.
2: We're live right now, wrapping it up with our man down there in Charlotte, North Carolina, Reginald Walker Jr. Of course, he covers some stuff for some colleges around that area in Charlotte, also for a TV station. And on Monday nights at seven o'clock, the man that played for Joe Pod and the Nittany Lions hangs out with us here on Southern Sports Central. Before I get you out of here, brother, let's talk a little bit about that NBA championship. You did see it was, uh, you know, for me. I don't mind LeBron James. I love what he is off the court. I don't care what anybody says. That dude loves any community he gets in, man. And I love to see athletes giving back to the communities they're from, the communities they're in. And he's one of the best in the business at it. Hey, it is what it is. This guy's won how many different championships with how many different teams. We all know about Nipsey. He was a big-time, big-time Laker guy. And you can't forget about Kobe. Man, losing two guys like that, it was a tough deal. But when you start to kind of think about it, it almost seemed like it was, uh, it was that year for that of the Los Angeles Lakers to win it with Kobe and not being around. Uh, give me your thoughts on watching that championship. And then I want you to talk about how the NBA has set the tone. How do you stay COVID-free and how to handle a bubble? It seems like the NFL needs to pick up a phone and call somebody.
1: Well, I'm going to start with that right there. A shout-out to the NBA, Adam Silver, uh, the WNBA, Uh, and the NHL um, for being – and their players' associations, more importantly, for being willing to, in some cases, leave their families um, And and in the NHL. They didn't see their families the entire time. uh, Bring their families with them the entire time. The WNBA, some of those ladies uh, have children, so they had their kids with them the entire time. And then the NBA, uh, who left their families initially, and then the team's as they got later in the playoffs, were able to bring in family members into the bubble. So you have to applaud all three approaches uh, to the bubble, and it starts, to me, with the players, more than even the leaderships of the league, because those players were willing to sacrifice to make their seasons happen. So I think you got to start there. In terms of the Los Angeles Lakers, hey, another championship one, and let me say something, and I don't mean this in a disparaging way, to LeBron James at all. But if you ask me, we need to talk more about what Rajon Rondo was able to do to help that basketball team. Whether LeBron was on the floor or not, when Rajon Rondo got on the floor, the Lakers looked different. They hit you different. They got easier shots. Rondo as a playmaker, as a facilitator, his ability as a floor general to me was, is, is, is top-notch in the league and it needs to be applauded. And then when it comes down to LeBron James, listen, uh, he's a physical specimen. He finds ways to win. The guy's been in the finals like umpteen straight years. You have to give him credit for that. Uh, listen, Miami Heat will gain. Eric Spolstra, and people need to accept that Eric Spoelstra is an elite coach in the NBA. And what him and Pat Riley are building down there around Jimmy Butler, and I think they've got money for a big-time free agent either this offseason or next, look out for Miami and, I tell you, we could be in a situation where we see a lot of uh, Lakers in Miami depending on what LeBron's body uh, says to him after 17 years in the league. Um, Listen, it's a great accomplishment for him, his fourth championship. And guys, let me say this real quick on this program because I think this needs to be said because I'm sick and tired of the conversation. People that want to have the GOAT conversation, greatest of all time in basketball. Let me give you a couple of things. Number one, If you're talking to a LeBron guy, you ain't changing his mind. If you're talking to a Jordan guy, you ain't changing his mind. If you're talking to a Kareem guy, you ain't changing his mind. Quit having the conversation because it's unnecessary and you ain't changing nobody's
4: mind. Well, I think you must have stumped Richie because he ain't changing his mind. (laughs) No, I'm not changing my
2: mind, man. I was trying to think about it. Do I jump? Do I not jump? Man, I don't know. But I do know this. I know the Lakers won a championship. Why why
1: should anyone (laughs) change their mind on who the greatest is, right? If you were a LeBron guy two days ago, why is that going to change after he wins a championship? If you're a Jordan guy two days ago, why is that going to change after LeBron wins his fourth and you could scream Jordan has sixth?
3: it's not going
1: to change. And that's why anytime those conversations come up and people ask me, the first thing I say to them before I answer the question is based on what criteria, because here's the reality, whether you're a LeBron guy, a, 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 a Jordan guy, an Oscar Robertson guy, a Bill Russell guy, or a Kareem guy, we can all come up with one stat, at least one, that makes our argument for whoever that guy is better than everybody else's. Bill Russell got championships for both hands. Okay? Jordan never lost in a finals. Okay? LeBron has been to the finals more than 75% of his career he's played in the finals. Right. Oscar Robertson has career numbers that are similar to LeBron James without the benefit of the three-point shot. So we can we – can, you can look at all of these different things and find a way, but at the end of the day, they didn't play with the same teammates in the same era against the same opponents. And as long as that has never happened, we cannot properly compare them.
4: And, brother, I will
1: leave you with that.
2: That is a exact echo that I would give you, Eugene would give you, and anybody that spent time on the radio or in the business of what we do, it's a different time, it's a different era, and it's a ton of different talent around each of these individuals. And with that, I'll let you give us our signature sign-off, and we appreciate everything you do, you communicate, and you support us here on Southern Sports Central, big man.
1: Absolutely, guys. I appreciate you. Hey, we've we got we've had a great, pretty good season of college football so far. We, we just saw the first postponement, Missouri-Vanderbilt, in the SEC. But let's continue to encourage – our young people to enjoy themselves playing the game but be smart be safe do everything they can to maintain their seasons and until next week guys we are
2: all right ladies and gentlemen and just like that well, we are we are out of time we're going to go to a quick break we're going to come back and we're going to the tank we're heading over there with the bull shark that is the head coach of oceanside coach joe call right out of the short break guys don't go anywhere Ladies and gentlemen, it is only halfway through a phenomenal five-star epic show. As we are now going to head over from the Queen City of Charlotte, North Carolina, down the road and into Mount Pleasant, where Oceanside Academy's head ball coach—that is, Coach Joe Call, the winning coach of our game of the week—who improves to three zero. What's up, Coach? Hey, what's up, guys? How y'all doing? We're pretty good, man. We're glad to have you on tonight. Of course, uh, that means you won the ball game on Friday night.
0: <laughs> so, uh,
2: congratulations, man. I, I know that you and Art are buddies before, your friends after. I know it's all a battle during the game. Uh, you and I know each other extremely well from our past uh, opportunities there, Coach. But kind uh, of talk to, to us a little bit uh, about the preparation. I know we had you on the show with us on Thursday night on how everything went. But tell us about the preparation. How did you keep these young minds set? And you guys had your first home game in a in a stadium that, well, you played in as a college guy over there at the Citadel.
8: Yeah, you know, first and foremost, uh, you know, you touched on, you know, um, mind and arch, you know, relationship. And it's gone back, uh, you know, really, you know, about 18, 19 years now. You know, so uh, he and I have known uh, each other a long time and, you know, uh, as as a young coach, you know, when I was just getting into coaching and, uh, you know, he was just kind of starting at Timberland and Timberland was just uh, a new program. So, uh, you know, we've known each other for a long time. I got the, the utmost respect for him and um, for, for the things he's done over the years and, you know, uh, um, within, you know, not only at Timberland, but now what he's doing at, at Hanahan. So, you know, it was uh, – I told him before the game, you know, he and I had a – uh, really about about five or six minutes to kind of talk about really about you know the change for both of us um, you know for him from timberland to Hanahan and me from Somerville to to Oceanside, and you know just kind of the similarities that uh, that came with with that and you know, it was kind of interesting uh, it 's really kind of kind of similar you know kind of familiar with uh with our stories and and uh how we both ended up in new schools but it 's also familiar with uh, the schools where we're at, you know, the, the importance of uh, that high school football plays within the, you know, not only at the school, but within the, the community. And that is so great. You know, nowadays, because uh, a lot of the communities, communities that like in the low country and that were small communities uh, were, you know, just surrounded by high school football, you know, as those, they grew up, you know, more and more schools came around, but, uh, you know, you still have uh, the, you know, the hands of the world and right here in, in Mount Pleasant, you know, there's uh, you know a couple of new high schools now, but you know, really the the small community that Oceanside is, uh, just a support that that comes with not only football but with the entire um, you know school, you know. And that's the it's just it was kind of nice the the similarities talking with Art and you know and uh, uh you know kind of his change of pace over there at, at Hanahan, but you know the the preparation uh, going in, you know, we talked about this Thursday, but we knew it was going to be a tough game. We knew it was going to be one of those bloody nose games, and and it was. I mean, it, it lived up to the hype, I think. And uh, you know, uh, a lot of people are used to uh, you know Art um, you know turning out a lot of rushing yards and a lot of points at Turmalin and Oceanside's been known to, to to score a whole lot of points. And he turned around, and it was uh, seven to nothing at halftime, and then it was seven to three, then it was ten to seven, and you know, uh, uh, you know, our our special teams, you know, really kind of. Kind of came through for us in the fourth quarter, which is uh, you know we we got down to a fourth down and three, and and we needed to pin them deep. And I mean, how much better can you get than your your freshman punter going out there and putting the ball on the six inch yard line, and then our defense going uh you know keeping them four and out, you know, if we get the ball on the, on the one yard line to be able to punch it in for the final score. So you know it was this uh you know a, a a really hard fought game and. You know, it was a very respectable game. You know, uh, I thought it was – there were some penalties here and there, but, you know, it was just – when you go back and, you know, not only having watched it live, but go back and look at the film, I mean, what a physical battle, you know, between, um, you know, both sides, just the up battles. You know, a lot of teams have guys playing both ways, and, uh, you know, they just – whether they were – you know, it was almost like, you know, when we were on offense and they were on defense, you know, then when, when the ball – Change size it was just the, the same guys just turn around and play the other side of the ball
9: you know and that that
8: happened a lot you know you don't see that much but uh, you know those guys just battled against each other and you know our player of the week was our left guard you know Will Goss you know he and uh Anahan you know all everything linebacker um you know they just battled it out all night you know just taking shot after shot after shot at each other and it was uh it was fun to watch live but it was real fun to watch on film and just keep watching those plays over and over but um you know, it was a a good hard fall, but, you know, it's a good team victory. You know, um, I know you and uh, Eugene talked a lot about, you know, team plays and team victories and the importance of that, you know, and just one side of the ball picking up the other side of the ball. And then, uh, you know, special teams really kind of – I mean, you all know, know I I love special teams, but, you know, them having a huge impact on the game. So, I was just proud of our, our all of our guys, you know, contributing on in all three phases of the game. We're live right now with the winning
2: coach of our game of the week, Oceanside's head coach. They call him the Bull Shark. At least that's what Eugene named him on our Twitter account at SO Sports Central. That is Coach Joe Call. Hannah and it was Oceanside's first time meeting on the football field, and it was all Oceanside, 16 7, after seven points on the boards for Hannah. Hannon. And Coach Call and the boys said, We'll have none of that. This is home. This is our place. And we'll take that victory and head into the eight. 3A region, if you will, with the victory. And, Coach, that puts you in a great spot, man. That puts you in the driver's seat, if you will, because in your region, if I'm not wrong and if I am, it won't be the last time or the first time, Coach, but the winner of the region stays home pretty much until you head to wherever they're going to play the state championship game. The loser, uh, or say second place, I, I get it, but the second place team in that region, if you will, has to hit the road. Is that correct, Coach? Is that even more important of that game now, if you look at
8: it from the other side of playoff conversations. Yeah, it's like uh, you know Kevin Billadee said said earlier. You know, uh, I mean everybody's got their foot on the gas right now, and um, you know you can't afford um, any losses. You know, I mean you get get one loss, you, you're right there. You know, you better not lose again. And uh, because, like I said, you know the, first, the top two teams, you know number one seeds are going to going to host playoff games, and number twos are going to be on the road, and uh, that's at an, any level throughout the state. So. It's a um, you know winning these these uh, you know region you know every region game to get that number one seed is more important this year really for when you're talking about home field advantage than uh, than any other year. But but what that does is like like you take a uh, you know you know whoever the number two seeds are you know are going to be some dang good football teams. You know you you don't you're not going to have those guys who who end up you know in the play in the playoffs as a like a wild card or like a third seed and you know, stuff like that. So, I mean, you're, you're talking about, you know, all the way throughout every division through the entire state. I mean, this ought to be a heck of a playoff, uh, um, playoff season for for the entire state in high school football. So it's, uh, it ought to be interesting, but yeah, you're right. The, um, you know, for us uh, winning that game, you know, we've already played Bishop England. Uh, we were able to to sneak out a win there. And then, uh, you know, we found a way to keep plugging in there and show our resiliency and pull one out the other night. And, uh, you know, we still have two region games so we got to take care of business and, uh, you know, I, I know um hand hand and Bishop England still have to play each other. Uh the last game of the year, that'll be a heck of a game too. But the uh, you know, we still got business in front of us. You know, nothing's done yet. So it's just a uh we gotta gotta keep at the preparation and uh you know, keep uh you know, getting ready for, for you know, we got this week and next week of region games. And then uh we have one non region game against Gray. But uh yeah, we got two region games left. Well,
2: boys, we are live right now with the winning coach of our game of the week, Coach Joe Call, the Bullshark over there with the Ocean Oceanside, Landsharks winning 16-7 to over there in Johnson-Haygood Stadium. That is the home of the Landsharks this year. Look at that region eight, that's 3A over there, and Oceanside, 3-0. Hanahan falls to 2-1-1, Bishop England at 2-1-1, so that one will be a good one when Hanahan and Bishop England squared off. That should be for the Marbles. As a Battery Creek at one and two, Academic Magnet, still a team that Coach Call's got to play along, of course, with Battery Creek as well uh, on the schedule. But it is Academic Magnet and North Charleston looking now to ruin others' seasons because they seem to be on the outside looking in. Coach, uh, when, when you kind of put everything together, I know you've, uh, you've you've had some things. You've had to kind of go through adversity of COVID. Ooh, I shouldn't have used that word, but I did. I'll put a dollar in the pot. That being said, <laughs> what, um, how has this been for you, Coach? Uh, you, you and I talk on a daily basis. You know, we've kept that friendship since uh, both of us going different directions after leaving our previous life over in another place. That being said, how has the transition been? I know you've got some five-star coaches around you, man. I always tell everybody, I said, you know, coaches like Dabo Sweeney over at Oceanside, he's a heck of a guy. He's a heck of a coach. He's a great recruiter of coaches. I underline the word coaches. Because that's what coaches have to do. you got to go bring in other coaches, right? you got to bring in other great guys around you, whether you're at this school or that school. That's kind of the the ticket of winning is great coaches promote other great coaches. Right, Coach?
8: Well, you know, I'll answer your your first question. Uh, You know, I think our school and our players and our our faculty and uh, coaches and everybody's done a great job, you know, uh, with – you know, following just the guidelines of the, you know, CDC, DHEC, you know, wearing masks around school and sanitizing and keeping the locker rooms clean. And so, you know, kudos to everybody there. And, you know, even doing our other sports with volleyball and, you know, even at, you know, football games and swim meets and stuff like that. You know, it's, you know, I think our administration, you know, I think we've done a great job of following those rules. But, you know, any coach will tell you, yes, it takes – you know and we got some great coaches i mean phenomenal coaches but you got to have good players and and i know you're going to have one of our players on here shortly but uh you know just to to talk about a few of our our players who you know um you know not only Marcus out of that's coming up but you know i mean we're just all the way through our you know not only you know um we got a you know just a lot of juniors playing but we got a lot of sophomores playing you know we also have some freshmen playing you know so we're, we're as, as young a team as, as I've ever, ever coached, you know. I mean, we only had, you know, senior night the other night, we only had uh, nine seniors on the whole team, you know. And uh, so, my, you know, most of our team is, a, you know, is comprised of, of juniors and uh, we've got some sophomores and freshmen in there that are playing a lot of time. But, you know, uh, uh, good coaches uh, take good players and make them great players. And, uh, you know, we're fortunate to have some, some really good players who have become great players uh, in a short amount of time. And, uh, you know, because they take the coaching, they understand the coaching, they trust the coaches, they believe in it, they believe in the mission, believe in it, uh, our culture that we have at, at Oceanside. And, uh, you know, it's just, and, and I mean, some, there's there's some big names, but there, there's a lot of guys that, you know, who are such contributors to our team who don't, you know, get all, all the credit. And, I, you know, I'm glad you're having a guy like Marcus Adams on uh you know he's just a sophomore but he's playing lights out on defense and you know he's running made another sophomore timmy Castain on the defensive line you know i mean just two sophomores like uh you know really contributing to to our defense you know it's at uh not a senior on defense right now you know they're all underclassmen so those guys are playing lights out right now and uh kudos to them the, the coaching staff to getting those guys uh you know prepared to play every every week so uh you know, I mean, and, and guys like, you know, I just want, want to, I got to mention two guys that kind of get, you know, uh, never really get talked about. You know, uh, Carson Arnold, you know, uh, plays starting linebacker for us, and he goes over and plays tight end. Dana Brunson plays outside linebacker on defense, but he's a tight end. You know, so just guys playing both ways. Rhett Powell, at linebacker, goes over and plays running back. You know, just guys that are putting in work on both sides of the ball. Day Offer, a ninth grader playing both sides of the ball. Rico Harrell playing defensive back, you know, wide receiver. You know, then – you know you, you you toss in think you, you like hit all the all the names and you you open up and you know spencer mckinley our junior kickers you know he's going to be in the, the high school blitz junior all-star game i mean we got a you know phenomenal kicker there then i mentioned uh our our punter ninth grade coleman franzone you know just guys who are just contributing week after week who who aren't afraid uh when they get out there on the field to play these big time games you know and to play these big time opponents and uh that's kind of what, what a championship culture is, is built around, is guys who are are prepared by great coaches to go out and be great players.
2: No doubt about it. We're live right now with a great coach over at Oceanside. The Bull Shark is in the tank here with us. That is Coach Joe Call. By the way, Coach, give a, a, a high five virtually or whatever you guys are doing over there to your swim coach, by the way, who I think was Coach of the Year, got a big award, and I believe your girls or guys or somebody over there swimming has won some awards out of the weekend how about that the girls yeah the ladies representing some trophies and some bling huh
8: My guy Courtney does a great job with uh you know been the swim coach here at Oceanside and she was state coach of the year the girls uh won a 3A state championship so I mean those girls are I mean they were so proud it was all it's one of those you know we're talking about the the culture around like the entire school those girls wore their medals to school today and you know just uh you know, everybody was just congratulating them, and you know, they were just smiling from ear to ear. And our boys uh, competed today; they finished fourth in the state. So, you know, uh, great beginning for for our sports season uh, with the swim teams bringing home a state championship right off the the very first state championship offered uh, for the high school league this year in a COVID year was you know brought home by uh, Oceanside Land Sharks uh, girls swim team. So, you know, proud of them, and uh, then the boys got fourth. So, it's a great start to to the sports season.
2: No doubt. I bet the medals look the same. I always tell everybody, look, it ain't your fault. Don't hate the play or hate the game or vice versa, but play the game, get the medal, and go back to your business. And congratulations to the Lady Sharks over there swimming their way to a championship and to that head coach for what she did. Coach, hang on. I'm going to bring in one of your guys, Marcus Adams of Oceanside, big-time defensive end, out there laying down some wood-handling business Marcus, welcome to the show for the first of many times, big guy. How's life happening over there in Mount Pleasant, buddy?
9: It's been going pretty good. How's it going over there?
2: Pretty good, man. You sounded like a grown man. Look at that, Coach. That's yeah, that he is. Some bait uh-huh. in it. <laughs> God, dog. Yeah, all you got to do is look across the offensive line and be like, hey, I'm coming. Trust and believe me, they're going <laughs> to keep an eye on you, man. What a great game you had Friday night, all right? I, I, I know some things, of course, Coach has told me that we've got Eugene around. He's been kind of sniping around the corners and and making sure that you guys, of course, are balling out on Friday nights as he sits there in his little hot spot. But that being said, man, what's it been like for you, man? Tell me, of course, uh, for those who have never met you, how tall are you, how much do you weigh, and uh, what class are you coming into this
9: year? Uh, Yeah, I'm 6'5", 215, coming in from the class of 2023, Obviously, Oceanside, I play defensive end mainly. And And I don't know what they feed you
2: guys over there, but you're all big. Good God. Keep going.
9: (laughs) It's definitely been a big change Um, going from JV last year and to varsity this year. It's a big change having a lot bigger, older guys going against you. But it's really good being competitive every day and just working at it every day, trying to get better.
2: Now, of course, you coming in as a 23 guy, which makes you a sophomore, correct? Did I get my numbers right here in the late Monday night? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So we're a sophomore. You're in a very key position at the defensive end. You be honest, man, it, it's kind of up to you to cause a little bit of that turmoil on that offensive line because you should be able to swim, move your way around, and no pun intended, being a land shark. But to get in that backfield and introduce your your manly voice and, of course, uh, your young Talent, if you will, over there. What was it like for you to get under the lights at Johnson Hagan Stadium on Saturday? Excuse me, I almost said Saturday. Maybe one day you will play on a Saturday over there, but on Friday night, the lights cut on. You know, like I know, man, there's some big names and big games that have been played on that field. And at this point, on this Friday night, it was all about the Land Sharks, Hanahan, the winner. I'm not going to say you take all, but you definitely take that step to that direction. What went through your young mind as a sophomore? big guy that you are that know that this game is without a doubt the biggest game, not only just because it's on the schedule, but also because of you kind of figure that these are the top two teams in your region.
9: Well, yeah, it's, it was very different than what a, what you're used to seeing as we never really played in big stadiums. And this year now we're going into Citadel. It's very different, but it's also very nice because we have all the fans there cheering us on. It's very loud, very energetic, and it really gets you going and wants you to keep going, and it really energizes. It really energized me to just want to work and play the game.
2: Now, I'm going to be honest with you, big guy. You guys went against a guy that you may not know much about, but I know a little bit about Art Craig, and I know about his running game, and I know he's got an ability to light it up at Timberland, and he brings the mindset to Hanahan and the Hawks, but you guys kept them down to almost a scoreless game and only given up seven points. To me, that's a big way in ways right now you might not understand, but the more you read some of these headlines coming out of this past weekend, you kind of get it, man. That defense that you're surrounded by, by the way, your head coach over there knows a lot about that team and that game, but your defensive coordinator, I'm pretty sure, along with him and some other coaches over there, tell us about, that big defense with some of your playmakers around you that kind of push you to pull you to get you to step up play after play?
9: Yeah, Coach O, he, he really pushes us. He makes sure we know exactly what we're doing every play, when they come out and what formation, what we need to do and what we need to get done in that play. And as I said before, Rhett Powell, he's one of our key linebackers and playmakers that we always need. And Timmy Castine, even though he's just a sophomore, he's really been helpful on the defensive line for us. And it's been really good for us. And especially our safeties, too uh, Roan and Karen Seabook, they've been really helping us on defense. And it's just everyone's just a great playmaker on this team. And it's just you can't really say everyone because almost everyone on this team, especially on defense, just Really good playmakers, and we've been doing we the best we can, and what we know what to do.
2: Now, Marcus, the I know you got some great coaches. Yeah, <laughs> now, the blood pack, the said, blood pack over let there. Me, let me ask, let me ask you this, big guy. When you look at the the big picture, I get you got Rochalver, know a little about that guy too, and Seabuck, and all about that guy, and some other names. You named a few names that I'm familiar with, with being around your program for a few years. But there's another coach that doesn't – I don't know if he gets to spend a lot of time during the game with you, but he spends a lot of time before the game, after the game, and during the offseason. That's Coach Gates. It seems to me – and I don't want to give any secrets away, Coach Call, but i got to be honest, man. The speed of that defense, the ability to move and adjust and see and just do whatever you need to do because you're all in great shape. Everybody on that defensive side and the offense, but we're talking defense with you, is in wicked good shape, man. Tell me about this guy, Coach Gates, man. This guy is – I think he can take most of you guys today.
9: Uh, yes, yeah, so Coach Gates, he just pushes us to our absolute limits to make sure we can get through the whole game without having to come out. And he really makes sure that we're well-conditioned throughout the season and makes sure we're strong for the season. And, like, it's – Good that you push us so hard in practice because during games then we never get tired and we can just keep going and going without having to get tired at all.
2: Man, I got to tell you, it's an honor to have you on tonight. I look forward to having you on soon because that means you're doing great things and we're going to continue to bring you in here, do anything we can to help you a little bit, young man. But it's a size that you got, man, and you're only a sophomore. Like I told Coach Call when he got there, I said, dude, I don't know what to feed them. I just hope you ain't got to pay for it because i tell you what, you guys, Y'all got some big appetites, not just on Friday nights. I'm sure it's it's a Sunday through Monday thing. But congratulations on the big win. Thanks, Mom and Dad and your head coach for letting us talk to you tonight. It's an honor to get you young athletes in here to get a little bit of airtime. You deserve it. Big win. But that game is over, by the way. All right, we're done talking about it once we hang this interview up. We're looking ahead to next week, or actually this week, and that's Friday night, man. Who's on the schedule for you guys this week?
9: We got Battery Creek next which will be a pretty good game.
2: Now, where's that one held at? You guys on the road? You're back home over in Johnson-Haygood. Where, where's, where's the battle start on Friday night? Uh,
9: We're back at uh, the Citadel, back in at home. So, we get to stay home okay. and get all everyone there for us.
2: Man, you get to go run run out of that big shark, man. I saw it. It looks awesome, man. That's what happens when you do big things. You get big gifts, and things happen the right way, my man. Congratulations. You're 3-0. and Looking for a 4-0, and that would make you even deeper in the, I guess, of course, in the region play as well, my man. Enjoy the rest of the night, Marcus. We appreciate your time, buddy.
9: Yes, sir. Thank you so much.
2: Pleasure. Coach Cole, I got to tell you, man, you guys, again, I told you this you know, many times, man. I, I don't know what you guys. God, but it's amazing, the offensive line. The average guy is like, what, 270, 260? And, uh, again, uh, you look at your defensive guys like this kid, and he is just that because he's a sophomore, but your strength and conditioning coach over there with Coach Gates along with all of these five-star coaches that surround you with all this college experience of playing the game from your offensive line coach to every coach on the defensive side, I believe, played college level to the head coach who, by the way, Coach Call, played at the Citadel himself. How cool is it for you to coach inside the stadium where you went after your days of playing over there for uh, that legendary coach, uh, Coach John McKissick?
8: Yeah, it's uh, cool, you know, being, being out there to the Citadel. You know, we, we've been able to practice out there a few times uh, just because there is that wow factor, you know. So to these guys, you know, they played uh, at a, uh, you know, the last couple of years have had to play their home games at uh, at Park West, which is Mount Pleasant right field, and you know, really to to go from a field like that, you know, which was you know, they're fortunate to have it a nice home field, but to to jump right into a you know a an FCS college football stadium, you know that seats thirty thousand people, you know, so you know we knew we had to kind of get that wild factor out there, and you know, really, uh, you know, the the practices we had were were during the day, you know, we had one scrimmage over there like at the six o'clock but you know it didn't get dark till later in the scrimmage but you know really kind of under the lights so you know we uh uh it, it's special for those kids you know something they'll, they'll remember You know, getting to play their high school football games in the college stadium so you know we're very fortunate to uh to have had this opportunity and uh you know it's brand new turf field out there and you know just a beautiful uh facility to, to be able to play the games in. so uh you know, you know, just to, to have the locker room facility facilities and everything available to us has been tremendous. So it's a, uh, you know, it's, you know, like Marcos was saying, you know, um, you know, we had our first couple games on the road, but you know, we, we got, you know, four straight home games here to finish up the season. And then if, uh, if we can get that number one seed, we'll have some, some home playoff games there too. So it's, it's nice uh, to be able to call that home. No doubt
2: about it, coach. Uh, this is always home to you. You know, that we love to have you on here, man. You've, uh, You've been on here with me multiple times, and uh, you're still doing big things. And I just uh, – I appreciate no matter where you decide to coach what sideline you roam, you've always welcomed me and our Southern Sports Central family along with you, buddy, man. Enjoy the, uh, the night. It's a beautiful night over in Somerville. I'm sure it's just as yes, nice over in Mount Pleasant. And until next time, uh, have an enjoyable night, and good luck this weekend,
8: buddy. i tell you what, man. We got a nice little ocean breeze over here in Mount Pleasant, and, uh, you know, sitting outside on the porch – uh, talking talking with uh, uh, two guys I call close close brothers. So, love you guys, man, and I appreciate what y'all doing, and we'll talk soon. There you go, ladies and gentlemen, the man, the myth, and the legend. He's building
2: it up over there in uh, the Land Church side of things. Of course, Oceanside uh, doing some great things as they now improve to 3-0, and a big win against Art Craig and the Hanahan Hawks, 16-7. They are now 3-0, and and in the driver's seat over there in that region, 8, 3A football. They will play Battery Creek, as uh, that is one of uh, two games on the, of course, uh, region play they have. Also, academic magnet on the schedule as well. we got to go to a quick break. It is top of the hour. We're going to do that, and when we come back, we'll try to connect with the head coach from Greenville. That's right. Not one, not two coaches here hanging out with us tonight on a beautiful night of football here on Monday night. We'll be right back, guys. You're listening to Southern Sports Central. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Rich Altman here, live on Southern Sports Central, Eugene. I'm going to let you chime in for a minute. I'm going to get the coach to call in through another avenue, and uh, I'll let you kind of recap this uh, this past guest, as you know, both of them oh so well.
4: Yeah, you know, it was uh, and it's so, it's such an exciting game. It's kind of funny because when you hear coach talking about, you know, the, the young guys out there, I guess for me because I've known a lot of those kids since. Going back to middle school and, and prior, uh, you know, there are some of them that I've picked up from school that are the same age as my kids, and like I said, I've just known them forever. And some of them, you know, when they first started playing the game of football, and then uh, some of them I've gotten to meet, you know, more, more recently, so it's just kind of cool, you know, and, and then when you hear coach say, well, you know, such and such as a freshman and such and such as a sophomore, you know, to me, it's just kind of weird because you seem like you've known them forever, um and, and yet they're out there making plays on the on the big stage in the big stadium region game uh, for a lot of these guys it's the first time they played varsity ball uh and, and yet having to play you know a full game uh it's not like you know coming in and, and spelling the senior guy just because there aren't that many seniors last year the team had 22 seniors um you know so it was four seniors on the on the defensive line it was you know, two or three on the on the offensive line, senior quarterback, senior running back, senior secondary. And here comes uh, a guy, Roan, who transferred over from uh, Somerville. He's a junior. Uh, Cam Seabuck was mentioned. He's a sophomore who only played JV last year. He played a couple snaps, I believe, on varsity, kind of late in games when, when they were, you know, had been decided since the second quarter. <laughs> uh, Coach Alford son, Zay Alford, uh, Man, I don't know if you got to see the highlight of that interception, that one-handed – interception that he made at goal line uh, uh, against um, uh, Bishop England earlier in the year. That was pretty impressive, especially yeah, pretty for a freshman. Uh, Rico's the guy that came, over from, guy um, that came over from um, Wando, who's a junior, and he's been having a big year playing both ways. He had a massive front return that uh, happened in front of me. I was standing with the athletic director down by the end zone, and we just really couldn't see a penalty. Apparently, there was a block in the back somewhere, and the referees got together. And one referee said they did and see it and one said they did see it so uh it, it was just so exciting and again you know for me I don't really look at these guys as being that young so when I hear it and I and I'm typing out the speech, I'm really kind of flashes in my mind that they're freshmen and sophomore and, and just maybe juniors uh it's pretty exciting but also kind of like where did the years go but
3: so it's pretty exciting I, I think we got the coach in from Greenville so we'll uh flip it over to him.
2: All right, we're live now with Coach Greg Porter, the head coach over there at Greenville High School. Coach, uh, first of all, we want to say thank you so much for joining us here tonight. We look forward to uh, hanging out with you for the next few minutes. It looks like you guys are rolling,
5: Coach. Uh, how's life up in the upstate? Oh, well, first of all, want to thank you for allowing us to be on the show. Thank you for allowing me to be on the show. Um, things going pretty great up here. Uh, we're taking one day at a time, taking one week at a time, and taking one game at a time. So, um, we allow our kids to have a moment to celebrate after victory, but we have to get the business the next week for the next game. Now, of course,
2: uh, the game that you celebrated last was a few days ago. You guys took a trip to Malden where they've got some dudes on the defense, but you guys put up 28 points. You only gave up seven, Coach. I got to feel like that's a little bit of a robbery, if you will. And there was a lot of conversation in this game during a few of camps. So it added a little bit of flavor to this matchup uh, come this past Friday night, which I wish we would have been there.
5: Well, you know, a lot of the kids know each other from camps and um, from different tournaments and things like that. Um, It was a lot of talk. They have some awesome players over there. They have that Jay Luke over there, that defensive back over there and uh, he manned up and showed why he was one of the best in the country. Uh, they didn't play with Deuce. Uh, he didn't get a chance to play that game because of whatever injury, whatever he had, but it didn't take away from the game. It still was an exciting game. I thought our kids showed up and played well. I take nothing away from our defense. Our defense really kept us in the game along with the solid special teams uh, for the second week straight. Um, offense, we're we, we working on it. We have our days. We have our moments, but – uh, we're getting better. It's a work in progress. And um, we're going against uh, a tough 5A program, Malden High School, and Coach Newsmith is doing a great job up there. Uh, despite the record, they still are a competitive team.
2: Yeah, no doubt, Coach. Now, you opened up, if I'm not mistaken, against Greer with a 34-17 victory. Then it was Lawrence, 37-14. Then it's Malden. They get treated with a little bit of that uh, Greenville love, 28 28- the seven. To Next seven. up is Greenwood. They're two and one, two and one. Friday night. Friday night. Uh, I uh, believe it's a home game. Do you guys go back up to Greenville to uh, host up a Friday
0: night? night. For Friday
5: night life. Absolutely. You know we love playing at home. It's a, a unique stadium. Serene Stadium has a tradition and it's unique. Uh, there's no other stadium in the state of South Carolina like Serene Stadium. Our kids and our fans love being there, so we look forward to Friday of uh, being able to. In our stadium, our
2: home stadium that we love. Now, you got a running back back there, Coach, and I've had a chance to get to know that young man on multiple levels, and he's one of the uh, fun things that I get to do is meet athletes, but he's a different type of guy. He's a different type of gamer. He's uh, very respectful on and off the field, but he's all business on the field, Coach. Tell us about some of your guys after three games that are putting up some numbers, and you can start off with that big running back over there, Coach.
5: Well, you know, we have two good running backs. We have Taliq Holland, who's more of a step back, who had a tremendous season last year. Um, I think we're asking him to double duty a little bit, uh, probably taking away from some of his offensive production. But um, he is an excellent football player that is very versatile that can play multiple positions. We have Preston Lyons, who has been probably the uh, lead back for us this year. He's been doing a tremendous job. Um, running the ball, carrying the ball. He's been a tone setter for us behind our offensive line. Um, everyone know about Colin Sadler, the guy who has multiple Power 5 offers, and um, he's been doing an incredible job as we expected, which has uh, really raised level play of the other linemen.
3: You know, you, you just don't want to be the weak
5: link when you're playing beside him. But, you know, he continue to push those guys to get better as well. You know, our wide receivers are – you know, this majority of those guys, this is their first season starting. So there's some um, times the chemistry is not always there, but Elijah Kelly is doing well. He is beginning to find his way along with Aziz Huff, who has been our big playmaker uh, this season. He's been having a tremendous season, although he's small in size and stature, but his heart is big as whatever. And uh, he's been playing big for us this past couple of seasons, uh, this season. So, uh, we're proud to have him. And then we have Josh Sapp, who is a mostly diverse player. He can play quarterback, deep at the end, cook, uh, wide receiver, uh, middle linebacker. He's a real talented kid that probably have been overlooked this offseason because of the shadow of Colin and so many other football players we have that's doing an excellent job uh, there the previous season. And then on the outside, we have Mike Sanders, who's doing a good job as well. Um, uh, a transition basketball player to football, and it's taken him a little bit, but um, I'm sure he's going to do well as we continue to progress throughout the rest of the season. We're hanging out, hanging
2: out over here in, of course, the upstate of Greenville, South Carolina. Greenville, Greenville with, uh, of course, with the Red Raiders head football coach who picked coach up a big coach win over the Mavericks of Malden. Uh, 28-7. They go to 3-0 and on the season. Now, Coach, This season, a little different than what we're used to in high school football, but the the rules, the game, the scoring, and all that, none of that has changed once we kick the ball off on Friday night. Tell me, what is your thought process of this season, the way it is, and, and how important it is more than ever to win your region and let everything else kind of take care of itself?
5: I believe it's the sense of urgency. You start off with region play. Uh, there's no room to get better. Um, there's no room to say in about two weeks you'll have this play down packed because, you know, we're about to start leaving. No, you have to have these plays down packed. You have to be ready. There's no
2: with the head football coach, Greg Porter. He is, of course, uh, the man behind all that success over at Greenville. The Red Raiders 3-0. and They pick up a big win on the road against Malden 28-7. Coming up next is Greenwood, Eastside, Wade Hampton. And, man, is also on that schedule. Coach, how many more region games do you guys have? And, uh, Tell us a little bit about this tough region. Who's one and who's two, and how does this fight look going into the second half of the shortened season?
5: Well, I, I'll be honest with you. I, I try not to look at who's one and two. I tell our kids, control your destiny by winning your game. Just control your destiny by trying to win your game. Um, I try not to get caught up in who's one and two. Um, the next team we have after this, you know, we have to play east side and I believe that will be our last region game that we have to play after the Greenwood game. And then the storyline of who will be in what place will be set then. But we can't overlook tonight uh Friday night against Greenwood. Uh they're gonna be coming off of a loss to a, a regional team, a career team that we're beaten. I know they're gonna come in fired up and um wanted to right their own. We have to be prepared. Um, no excuses and we just have to get out there and be ready to play, you know. After this game, you know, you, you have Eastside and you have a couple of 5 8 teams you have to play, Wade Hampton, um, the main game. Those games are going to be important. But, you know, you want to make sure you qualify for the playoffs so you can have a strategic plan on how you want to enter those games prior to the playoffs. So you don't want to put the cart before the horse, but you do try to have a plan in place in your head um, what if, what scenarios you have to have in place. Be
2: successful. We're live right now with the Greenville head coach, Coach Greg Porter, joining us here for the final few questions here as we appreciate your time, Coach. On Southern Sports Central, you're always one of the first guys to respond along with your players. We just appreciate this uh, bonding of the relationship between the upper state and the lower state. It's all one big state, and that is South Carolina. Now, let me ask you, Coach, and again, I don't want to put the cart before the horse, but I got to know. When we park this card in this horse at the end of the year, mm-hmm. and, and if you don't know, I understand. I just haven't heard. But it, usually the championship games are at williams Bright Stadium, but this whole COVID thing has got things moving. Have you coaches heard of where this thing is going to be finally played championship weekend, or, or do we not know any answers of that
5: yet? yet. I do not have any answers for you on that, and I'm sorry. I, like I said, I haven't heard anything, and uh, – I guess my, my, my focus has been on one game at a time, so
0: forgive yeah, me sure. not to give an answer to you.
5: <laughs> well, I, I didn't want to
2: put you up against it, but I knew you guys up there in the upper state. Y'all hear a few things maybe before we do down here in the lower state. You know they say it rolls downhill. I just figured maybe it started up there since we haven't heard it down here. Uh, Coach, you're very good at leaving lessons anywhere you go with words of wisdom. And before we go, could I get you to say something to those young athletes who are dealing with maybe something at home or just struggling to get their engines kind of going or maybe just trying to stay up a little bit because their season, even though they've got four more games or three more games on their schedule, they have maybe have already been knocked out of a playoff. Coach, what would you tell a young man who is, of course, uh, playing his final season here in high school football?
5: I would tell him to refocus and reposition himself, to really begin to prepare himself for the next step of his life. Um, every game will count. Every game would be measured um, to help him get to the next level. It's going to be hard and competitive to get to the next level due to how the COVID has impacted his high school career, but it's not impossible for him to continue to chase his dreams. One, he has to put God first and continue to keep him first in his life and then we have to go with a plan. What's his plan? First, got to take care of his e-learning, his academics. Second, he has to know, do we need a test score to be able to go to the next level? What schools really are interested in him and what schools want him? You want to go to a place where you're celebrated, not tolerated. The next thing I would try to tell him, to make sure he really have a plan, what it is he wants to do with his life. The school he go to, he's going to spend the next five years in his life at that school is going to mold and shape his character, make sure he falls in love with the university or the school. Why? Because coaches do leave schools. So you don't go because of the coach. You go because there's an academic uh, uh, expectation, there's a connection you feel at the university, because you're going to spend the next five years there. And to those who don't get an opportunity to go to the next level, because you have to know what skill sets you're going to need to make it in this world because it's obvious it's changing daily. It's not what it was before the COVID hit. So you're going to have to grow. You're going to have to evolve. You're going to have to change. You're going to have to grow up. You're going to have to learn some other skills so you can be successful in this next step in their life. I tell you, I don't think things will be impossible for the kid or for any student athlete, but to just keep saying that I want to play college football and let that be my final goal, I think he's setting himself up for failure. Scholarships yeah. are very difficult to get. Coaches' and jobs depend on it. And if you can't make it to the high school workout, what makes you think you can make it to a college workout? So be committed, reevaluate yourself, and give everything you have and live your life. That's what I would tell
2: I tell you what, coach, he starts with family, faith, family, and football. He the 2019, 2019 region champions over there at Greenville High School, of course, 2014 state, state champion. He won that one over at Hillcrest, and this year he's charging his way up the charts and trying to get that done this year for the Red Raiders. Coach, thank you so much for your time. I wish nothing but happiness for you, your team, and your family there at home. Thank you for taking time away from all of those to be with all of us here tonight, and we look forward to catching up soon, Coach. Good luck this weekend.
5: Thank you. It's an honor. I appreciate it. God bless you.
2: There you go, ladies and gentlemen. And like that, we'll wrap up that interview. Eugene, let's head to a quick break. We'll recap this interview. Man, I tell you, we are very blessed and not very stressed when it comes to our guests here on Southern Sports Central. We had two great coaches who left us with some really great points. And we're going to recap some of that before we catch up with a quarterback over at Sumter. Eugene, cue the band. We're going to go to break. When we come back, we'll talk more football right football right after
3: this.
0: You can't seriously still be thinking of playing. (laughs) Admit it, this season was a total wash. You're wasting your time. You should have canceled with us when you had the chance. We have to try.
7: (laughs) Oh yeah, even if you make it all the way through, it won't be a real championship. It'll be the biggest asterisk the sport's ever seen. You're not even gonna
1: be in the championship game, so
6: I don't even know why
0: you care. I can't talk to you when you're like this. Good luck. Great, it's Nebraska need to chill out. Too late to call shotgun? I think it might be best if I go alone. We have
1: Trevor
7: Lawrence and the best team in the nation. Uh,
0: Joe Burrow is still picking bits of Clemson out of his cleats today. And Alabama is still reeling a year later after the worst loss in Nick Saban's coaching career. Well, the entire ACC Coastal Division, uh, still sucks. You need us and we need you.
3: Get in. Ready?
7: Ready.
0: Oh wait. Where y'all headed? To a blowout playoff semifinal loss. You in? We're headed to the twenty twenty football season. I'm in. No matter what happens, we do this together. Together. Well, I have to ask Texas first, but assuming
5: that goes well then. Yeah, we together. <laughs>
6: Hey, what's going on? Your boy AAC here. 2020 season, here we come.
0: Oh, yeah. I I think we're all full of.
6: Oh, I don't have much room. I just got my bag, my 2017 National Championship trophy. I brought my own ratchet straps. You can just tie me down to the top. We should exchange numbers. I'd love to be on those Power 5 conference calls. Please. Okay. Oh, talk about SEC speed there. Oh, okay. Ah. This episode of SEC Shorts is brought to you by Renaissance Bank, the bank that understands you.
2: Learn more at renaissancebank.com. And hey, welcome back, everybody. I want to thank Greg Porter. That is the head coach of the Red Raiders in Greenville. They won that matchup that, Eugene, you and I talked about. We wish we could have been there. That was the chatter that was going off. Over at the Infinity Camp in Atlanta between Malden and Greenville. And it was all Greenville all day long as they won a big time matchup. And I mean, a very impressive matchup on the road against a team that, well, not sure they were going to, you know, I got to be honest, I thought it would be a little closer than it was, but it was all a matchup for those in Greenville. They won it 28. To seven to approve the three and zero. Oh, that's two and zero oh in region play they got a few more along the way uh, Eugene but uh, coach Porter did a great job I thought he left us with a lot of really great points I mean talking about go where you're respected not tolerated understand that coaches are not guaranteed to be there your entire tenure you know we've had a lot of coaches former NFL players that have come on this show have said great messages and I just hope that these young people that are listening, or moms and dads and grandmas and those who can share the word, if you will, does just that. And will continue to do just that. We've had guys come on here and say, look, go somewhere, commit yourself to somewhere, be somewhere that you can live after you graduate. Could you see yourself living there after you graduate? If not, then don't go there because that's the school where you're going to go. So that's a community that you're going to get to know. And those are the guys and girls that are going to respect you and love you and remember you because that's where you've been the last three or four years. There's a lot of knowledge in that conversation, Eugene. But I love that about this coach, Greg Porter. Every time we come in here and we bring him in, it's almost like going to church, man. You know you're going to walk out with something
4: that you can share with those in the streets, my man. Yeah, he's got those, you know, the words of wisdom, and also from uh, from experience. So, you know, if someone can give you words of wisdom, you can take it, but he's also a guy who's done it. He's lived it. He's won at the highest level of, of the state football uh, championship. He's led teams that, uh, you know, to that final victory. And so, you know, he, he earns the respect of not only you know being a guy who's experienced things in life, who's uh, well educated, who's earned the respect of the the men, the, the young men, and the men that work for him and under him, and the the students, but also, too, like I said, you know, he's won those championships. So, you know, he's, he talks to talk and walks to walk. He's a genuine dude. <clears throat> um, and so it's really interesting. He, he made some very, very strong points outside of football. It's like, even for the guys that, you know, this is it for you and you're not going to the next level, they so brought up the point with, you know, you got to be able to adapt. Huh? It's no different than the football field, just like in life. Uh, they need to learn some new skills, and it's time to grow up quickly. You know, maybe some folks thought they had a little extra time to, to be at home or to play football or to do something else, and, you know, some of that's uh, been taken away, or, or I guess life kind of hit the gas and sped up on them. So, um, you know, his, his last thing, uh, words were, you know, hey, you uh, you got to make some decisions. you got to make them quick. Uh, you got to be able to adapt. you got to be able to learn. you got to be able to listen. Uh, and, and at the end of the day, you know, if that doesn't work out, you got to be willing to, uh, to to make a move and go do something else. If you want to be successful, you can't sit still, and that's kind of the the gist of it I got was uh, that was one of the bigger points. You know, you just can't sit around and wait for it to come to you. you got to go and make it for yourself. Nobody's going to give it to you. Um, so, yeah, he's uh, he's always got great wisdom. I love having him on. I love hearing about the kids up there. Now, I was looking forward to this game like you told him or, or we were talking about. Uh, earlier uh in the year and uh like you told him you and I were looking forward to that Malden game. And it did sound like uh it's kinda of hard to hear a little bit but it sounded like the one of that the defensive back that has the forty plus offers may not play in the game for Malden but you know I, they were a team that I really just thought I thought Malden it was gonna be their years kind of a team that I had very high hopes of uh you know possibly challenging for a state title. It's because they had a lot of talent. So sometimes it, it may be that guys don't play well or guys get hurt or can't play, or it might be coming down to coaching decisions. I don't really know. We have a great coach and staff as well as great athletes, but sometimes just, you know, somebody else's day. But uh, it seems like it's been the Greenville day three days in a row on every Friday because they've gone in and knocked off teams. And we thought Greenville was talented early on. You know, we looked at, like you said, you know, we, we know what they got a running back. We've met that young man a few times. We know what they had a receiver I uh, really didn't know a whole lot about the defense you know we looked like kind of looked on paper like they had a pretty good offense but uh the defense has shown up because they've held some pretty good athletes down to to very few points in these first couple of weeks uh, or three weeks so and, and these aren't scrub teams that they played either they played some very high high caliber programs who you know aren't flash the pants these are programs that's been known around the stage who's uh also won titles and done big things on the big stage so Hats off to those guys up in Greenville for getting it done when it mattered. Uh, I know he's a guy that doesn't like to look too far ahead, as he said, but, you know, it's definitely – I think they're uh, either in the driver's seat or they're they're certainly in the right lane, you know, headed towards uh, wherever we may play that state championship game, whether it be in uh, Columbia or upstate, lower state. I guess nobody really knows at this point, but, you know, wherever it is, hopefully – you know, we can keep everybody healthy enough and safe enough to actually get that game in because,
3: you know,
4: you still at the end of the season after all this, you know, even even for those who don't make it to the playoffs or don't make it far enough, everybody wants to know that there's a the champion at the end of the year. I mean, you can always take those moral losses or, or moral victories, I guess, if, if you didn't have the greatest season, but maybe you played the state championship toe-to-toe, give those guys something, you know, on, on film and, uh you know, something to look forward to next year for the younger guys, knowing, that, hey, we played the state title team. Uh, maybe, you know, took them toe-to-toe, took them to the bank, whatever you want to call it. And uh, those guys will be looking forward to next year. Sometimes it's a little motivation in the off season for the guys coming back. So, um, you know, we I'll be glad and I'll be happy to know when ever. I guess, the high school league figures out where they're going to do the state championship because, you know, it's just something, I guess, once you put it on the calendar in a, in a sense, now, we've learned you put things on the calendar and they get moved, but at least if we can get something on the calendar, and make it a little bit more real like it's going to happen. And I think that will give a lot of people put their mind at ease, at least seeing that target date or that target location. Yeah, no
2: doubt about it. Talking about target and putting it on the map, how about Freddie Freeman for the Braves just went yard in the early part of uh, – the first inning, he went to the right side. He's coming off the he's a left-handed batter. Boy, he went yard. It didn't go over far, but it went over far enough that the Braves lead the Dodgers in the uh, championship game for the National League, 1-0. nothing. is the bottom of the first, two outs, and that's your update for uh, the baseball conversation. Now, again, here in about a minute or so, Eugene, we'll take one more break. We'll come back because we got our final guest. And this man, he's a baller. He's a game changer, and he changed the game for the Gamecocks of Sumter. They were trailing throughout the night against a region competitor. That was, of course, uh, the Panthers of uh, over there on the uh, Carolina Force side of life. And when we come back from break, it's Mr. Hayden Vasquez. He is a senior quarterback coming in to talk a little football with us here on a Monday night, guys. Don't go anywhere. Our final segment of Southern Sports Central coming up next.
0: You've been taught, you're more than a number Written in my little red book Oh baby, give us a chance Don't let the small town rumors end our first real romance Now I'll admit I've loved a few But there was never one like you
2: Welcome back, everybody. I'm Richie, a long alongside Eugene Benton. It's been a blessed night here as we've had a five-star guest list, and it ain't over yet, as we bring in a man who took his team to victory. When the back was against the wall, here comes the big man out of Sumter. He's the quarterback, Hayden Vasquez, who joins us live here tonight on Southern Sports Central. What's up, big man?
7: What's going on?
2: Another beautiful night, man. I tell you what, I got a chance to meet you again and again, but – The final time was a couple weeks before the season started under the lights with a scrimmage against Fort Dorchester. By the way, you guys may see each other. I think it could be set up in week two of the playoffs. But before we talk about some of that other stuff, it was good to see you, buddy. I was glad to see you and your teammates, some of your guys that have been on this show. And, uh, man, I've always told you this uh, off the air, that you're a five-star dude. That's why I appreciate getting you in here to being a part of my dream here on Southern Sports Central, man. Thanks for taking time out the other night. To say hey to me.
7: Yes, sir. I appreciate you having me.
2: Always a pleasure, man. So, let's talk about it, man. Let's uh, wind the clock back to Friday night. The lights are on. You guys are doing your thing. Region on the line. As every game is a playoff game. Let's be honest, right? And it's Carolina 4th. They come up. They hit you guys in the mouth a couple times, right? They got a couple good jabs. 14 nothing's the conversation. But here comes those fighting Gamecocks at Sumter. And, of course, led by yourself, and all your offensive weapons, and don't forget that big defensive line and a few other dudes on that side. And you found a way to make it a tie ball game, and in some overtime, you found a way to win. Man, break it down, man. What was it like to win a game like that? And it shows a lot of character, in my opinion, of what type of team you guys really have.
7: Yeah, it felt good. You know, coach Coach was talking about all week how good of a team they were, and. You know, the previous weeks we weren't playing like we usually do. We were starting off slow, and that's really how it started off Friday. And um, like you said, we were down 14 going into halftime. You know, weren't really, wasn't really feeling it. Um, went into halftime, went in locker room. You know, I was in there cheering, cheering everybody up, trying to keep everybody's heads up. You know, just make like let them know we're we're still in the game, down by 14. You know, we've been here before, so I mean, you know, it, we we just. We had to keep our head in the game, keep stay focused, and uh, went out there. Then it really change the game plan. We just we – were, we were stuck on what we needed to do when we made it done. We got it done. So. Now,
2: of course, uh, I'm very familiar with your program growing up around the Grand Strand. Of course, the Gamecocks and Sumter have always been doing some big things. Uh, you guys, uh, you had a chance to fall down, like you mentioned, but you've been there before. You talk about it, and I said this on many interviews over the weekend on a few other stations when we talked about this game that was a Southern Sports Central Game of the Week up there on the Grand Strand. And I said, look, I'm going to tell you what, until the Final Four zeros are across that board on the fourth quarter, you can't count out the Gamecocks of Sumter. And I think that's kind of the mindset, man, because to me that, that's how you guys breathe, eat, and sleep, man. You love the challenge. And I'm not going to say you spotted 14th, but boy, you guys fought back in the second half as if it was a whole complete team coming out, unlike what it looked like in the first two quarters, man. Yeah,
7: we um, like I said earlier, we didn't, we weren't really focused on what we needed to be focused on um, in the first half. You know, so we had a lot of errors, like second snap during the game was over my head, and we just weren't really focused. So I mean, we had, we came back out, you know, guys were like, all right, we're we're down, let's let's make some plays and. That's what we did. Made some plays, made things happen. So
2: now, this—if I'm not mistaken—that's put you guys at three and zero. You beat Sockestee by my alumni. No harsh feelings there, big guy. You, you did what you had to do. Twenty-four to seven. You beat Rock Hill. Now that's also a non-conference game. Rock Hill, by the way, a pretty impressive win for you guys. Twenty-four to seven again, and then this one coming back, winning this game in fashion, but it puts you two and zero in the region. What does the rest of the season look like for you guys when it comes into region play and then maybe a non conference game as well?
7: Yeah, I mean we're looking forward to the rest of the games. They're not you they're not as difficult as the ones we played previously, but I mean we're still taking every game, every day, every practice like it's like it's like it's serious 'cause it is. You know, we can't we can't take sure. those teams for granted no matter how good they are or how how what their program is like. So, you know, We're still we're still out practicing and in and out every day working on what we need to do. So we're we're focused on what we need to be focused on. I think as a team.
2: Well, let me tell you this. I'm going to give you guys a little bit of encouragement here. There's still a lot of dudes and dogs around the Low Country down in my side of the world, along with the middle of the state and the Upstate, believe that you guys are still an incredible team and that we could all be seeing you here real soon. So uh, keep that in your pocket as you guys battle it out for the rest of this year and continue to fight you guys I know control the region at this point you win out you win the region you get home field advantage through some of the playoffs I'm not sure how it all works out but I know you guys don't back down from any challenge that's kind of something that's been since the day they opened that door many moves ago at Sumter High School now let me ask you Hayden you got dudes all around you man give me a breakdown since our last conversation and I saw all your receivers and that big offensive line you got some running backs but Give me kind of a breakdown of your offense, man.
7: Who, who's out there doing some big things and who's had some big games in the first three weeks? You know, I got to shoot my way. Nathan Harris, man, our running back, big guy. He is—he's making things happen for sure. Friday night, we—we we needed him to step up, and he—that's what he did. So, we're really looking forward to see what what he does the rest of the year. I know—I know he's going to do big things. I know he's waiting on some big offers coming. So, he's really a, a big part of our offense this year.
3: And then, again, Marcus
7: Lane, like I mentioned last time, he's still that's a big heart guy, biggest heart I've ever seen. Works hard in and out of the weight room, classroom, everything. So we have a lot of good guys on offense.
2: Now, of course, on that defensive side, we know that there's two guys on that front line. Let's talk a little bit about both of those guys. I know they've been getting a lot of attention, but they're not the only ones over there handling some business, over there Aiden, Who's some of your big defensive guys that you know, I'm not gonna say you get popcorn and stand on the sideline and watch a show but but you kinda of could because those guys are just that good over there on that defensive front as well.
7: Right. Obviously we got Justice Boone, um Miles Capers, Davin Jackson, Deshaun McKnight. You know, we got a lot of our defense in and out of years is very very good. coach Arthur does a really good job of doing doing what they um what he's meaning to do with them. So, a lot of key guys. Our secondary, they're young, but they they know what they're doing. We had a guy, true freshman starting um, last year at safety, and Zaire Gamble, and he um he's really showed the potential he has. So our defense, yeah, that's probably I would rate the our defense probably the best in the state.
2: I like to hear that. That's the quarterback talking at his best here, Sumter's quarterback, Hayden Vasquez. He's a five-star dude to us. Don't matter what he is to you. I can tell you, this cat can play anywhere on a Saturday afternoon. If you're not talking to him, shame on you because this kid is ready to go. He's got the size. He's got the abilities. And I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, you're coming from a different side. Is that correct? Yes, sir. That lefty swag kind of working on Friday nights, man. What's it like being – and I'm a left-handed quarterback, by the way, but but that was a few years ago. Well, okay, a long time ago. But that being said, man, uh, how much do you hear from these other guys? I mean, being a lefty guy throwing around, it reminds me of some guys in college that did it. Now you see a few in the NFL, not like baseball where they're everywhere. What's it like for you? What are some of the harder things for you as a lefty to adjust as you come across uh, on a normal Friday night?
7: um hardest things I wouldn't say they're necessarily hard they're just they're different from what a right-handed quarterback would have to do in certain situations like escaping the pocket different ways and movement in the pocket it's just it's different from a from a right-handed perspective but I wouldn't say there's many hardships just, just doing what needs to be done in the pocket and scrambling and you know, just different arm. It, like I get a lot of crap from the receivers. Like, Nay man, you're, I can't catch the ball. Your ball's spinning a different way." And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> "Yeah."
2: You know, I tell you know it's funny being a former quarterback too, man. You know, I, I related it a lot to me growing up surfing there in Surfside where I grew up just south of Myrtle. And I always would surf the other side. Those guys would go the other way. You know, so it was good for me because I wouldn't have anybody dropping down on me. But then when I played baseball, of course, I was a pitcher. I threw it, had a, a nice tail on it well football did the same thing so my receivers had to almost get used to the spin of the ball but the tail of it as well at some points because at some point it almost gravity just grabbed that lefty swag and kind of moved it a different which was good for my receivers once they learned how to handle that ball coming in the defenders on the other side man they couldn't even keep up with it man how much do you kind of utilize that because i did i'm just telling you some of my things that i dealt with But how much do your receivers and you kind of have a little chuckle on the sideline going, man, they had no idea that thing was going to break off at the end.
7: Yeah. I get a lot. Like I said, i get a lot of crap from them. But I mean, yeah, they're also like, dang, man. (laughs) Like they ain't never seen some stuff like that. So like, yeah, (laughs) different, just different placement and stuff. I think it gives me a little bit of edge, but yeah. Sure. Now is your release a little
2: different? You know, I was, you know, me, I would come almost a three quarters and throw it, which you got me around certain guys, especially, that arm strength, because I had done it so much of throwing not a three-quarters but close to it, is your arms, does it come a little bit different? Kind of uh, tell me a little bit about that when it comes to, again, we don't get an opportunity to talk to other left-handed amazing athletes like yourself and myself, again, just to brag on us a bit. But uh, what are some of the positives that you feel that you're able to kind of utilize that different arm angle, if you will, to throw a, a football like they do in baseball?
7: Yeah, I think I'd say I'd have a, a very high release, which also gives gives me an edge, like gives me some more spin on the ball. But that also comes with the last little flick of the wrist at the end. So I think my my release is really high, so it helps. And I'm not the tallest guy in the world, but it helps me get over the guys, the linemen, and those line, those linebackers playing shadow and stuff. So I think um, it helps a lot having a higher um, arm angle. Suppose like some guys with like side arms and stuff.
2: Right, right. And again, I had a chance to watch you multiple times through camp. You did a phenomenal job. Dad and mom, everybody, grandma, maybe the neighbor next door. I don't know. You got yourself there, you were there. That was my key point of watching you work out. And I know Miss V and our partners in the upstate with the South Carolina High School blitz, we've all really kind of adopted you as a first class five star dude, whether it's on the field or off the field, Hayden. Hey, so all that you continue to do has been shown your sixth one. Is that still good to go six one, two fifteen? Yes, sir. And he's got, of course, a 4.1 GPA. I got a feel that thing's going to climb a little bit more. The Low Country Outlaws, by the way, the 707 guys, uh, you got that in your description. Mal Lawyer, actually, and I had a conversation last night. See how small the world is in sports, man? It's a fraternity that you never get out yeah. of, and it's hard to believe that we all find a way to talk. And he called me last night, and he was at work at 1130. He called me, and we talked for about 35 minutes to 40. And I had one of your coaches on last week, and we're actually going to be traveling with that team this year, as soon as the season is over doing some stuff around uh, the state, which is going to be neat. But, uh, man, I I can't tell you enough how proud I am of you. I hope I get to see you in a few weeks on many different levels. Um, You know, no matter what, you know, we'll keep in touch. I would like to keep you on this radio show with me because I feel like not only are you an outstanding athlete, an outstanding citizen at Sumter, but you're great for the state of South Carolina. And I know –
0: with us hello sorry about that that, man somehow some
2: way we got disconnected there but uh i do appreciate everything brother i hope that you continue (laughs) to work hard you continue to do great things and uh let's catch up soon good luck the rest of the season and we'll catch up soon buddy
7: yes sir thank you for having me again
2: Always a pleasure, ladies and gentlemen. Boy, I tell you what, when you start talking the good stuff, that devil tries to put a foot in there, but not today, Satan. We do thank you, Hayden Vasquez, six one two fifteen. This dude is a big dog, and he needs to find him a spot to call home on a Saturday afternoon. Trust and believe me, you'll thank me later, because this kid is a leader on and off the field. I don't care who you are, where you are. If you got a general that can come on down on a field, lead his team back, from being down 14 points, you know what? You just got to really honestly, honestly say, man, that's the kind of guy that you got to have on your sideline. Eugene, I'm going to bring you back in here uh, as we uh, wrap up the next 15 minutes on the air. If you'd like to join us, come on in, hang out. The number to reach us is one three two three seven eight four nine six eight one. Again, a great night of football. We've had a great Great red carpet preview tonight with, of course, Kevin Bellatou at 6.30, Reginald Walker Jr. at 7, Oceanside head coach, the Bullshark, Joe Call at 7.30, the winner, by the way, of our game of the week between them and Hanahan. He had Marcus Adams representing the players, defensive end, class of 23 at 7.45, and then we got caught a little bit of that love and lessons here from the head coach, Greg Porter from Greensville. want to thank him for joining us. And just now, Sumter's QB, down by 14. They find a way to go to overtime and win it against Carolina Forest to improve to 3-0, 2-0 in region play, and that is Hayden Batchez, the starting quarterback for the Sumter Gamecocks. Man, I tell you what, tonight was one of those nights, Eugene, and I knew it when I was putting this list together over the weekend. Can't wait for Wednesday, by the way. We are back on Wednesdays. Ms. V will take back over Thursdays with the South Carolina High School Blitz. Along with you, yourself, Eugene, we'll join her on Thursday, as you guys will be breaking down some of these juniors that are going to be a part of this Elite 88 playing on a day in December up in the capital city. So it will be the upper state versus the lower state meeting in the middle of the state. To crown of victory, a champion, and I got to tell you, man, just some of the names that have come off of the upstate and some of the dogs down here in the lower state, it ain't done yet. We still got a lot more names to come out, but I can't wait for this game to take place, and we're going to broadcast it live right here on Southern Sports Central with myself, Eugene. We'll have, of course, the professor, Clinton Robinson Sr. We're also bringing in our guy, Brandon Bing from the Grand Strand. It's going to be a packed house that we're bringing – all and
4: I mean all the fireworks for this one. Yeah, we definitely have to talk to our our uh homeboy partner up in the upstate too because there are a lot of dogs from his area that's gonna be in this game. But uh so, you know, uh we did have some things going on. So uh Miss V had had some uh things run over at her job today. She had to uh get some things done. Uh but as within the last few minutes, uh some of the invites have gone back out. Uh, Other than uh, Spencer McKinley, the kicker at Oceanside, and the kid down at Hilton Head is also going to be the punter, Trevor Weldon didn't have a whole lot from the low country, but we'd only had uh, 24 kids so far. But we've dropped two more in the last few minutes. Uh, Big shout-out to Jaden Johnson, defensive line at Goose Creek. That's a kid that you've seen in person. I have not seen him play. but uh, So he just picked up the offer to represent the East team uh, on the defensive line for Coach Smitty. Uh, the then the 26th offer went out, defensive line as well, Camden High School, Xavier McLeod. So, uh, the folks over at the high school blitz are back on the invitations. Uh, so, folks, listen, players, players coaches, uh, listen for those dings. Play, uh, players, it's about 849. Hopefully, you got your shower, got your dinner, got your homework. So, go ahead and turn on that The ding. Here, you see your name called. Make sure you get the love. Uh, and respect and appreciation for all those who helped you uh, get to where you are. Uh, let them know how much you appreciate it. Represent yourself, your family, your team, uh, and your coaching staff and all those in your community uh, on social media just like you would do anywhere else. But um, So, again, those offers are starting to pick back up here. We just dropped two defensive linemen within the past minute, and uh, I got a text from Miss V that she's uh, working away so some of these uh, – well, we should start to see a few more offers go out. we got 26 of the 88 uh, officially sent out at this point. Yeah, so it's
2: going to be a long night. Hopefully, uh, there will be some, uh, some big smiles. But, again, like Eugene said at the beginning of this uh, conversation, when we started this thing at 6 o'clock, if you got in, stay humble, keep grinding, keep working. There's a reason you got in. If you didn't make it, you need to understand something. They can only take so many in a perfect world. We're going to talk about three total games with a possibility of a few more. But usually you have the North-South game and the Shrine Bowl game. These games, like I would say the South Carolina High School Blitz, along with Coach Perry Parks, has his game, which I'm not sure. I don't think they're doing their game this year. But I can tell you what, it gives more opportunity. And when you work together to achieve the same goal, it's going to be an incredible, and I mean an incredible outcome if you're doing it for the right reasons and you're doing it the right way, the support you'll get within those inside the state of South Carolina, like myself, the South Carolina high school blitz, the EP training guys, the infinity football group, the Carolina experience group. And I'm just naming partners of ours here at Southern sports central and the seven Oh seven outlaws. We will, we will rally our troops around you. We will help you in any way, shape or form. But our mission is again, again, When it's about the kids, we got to remember it's about the kids, and the kids don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Do it the right way. I cannot echo that enough. I cannot say that enough. I'm not going to get into any details here tonight on anything. I'm just going to tell you this. It all comes out in the wash, okay? It all comes out in the wash, and I can promise you we're very, very appreciative of the relationships that Southern Sports Central has continued to build and grow not only in schools but in communities, I feel very comfortable that our logo, our brand, our name can walk on any, any campus at this point with a smiling faces because we love on these kids. We only want to see what's best for these kids. We continue to promote these kids. We give them not only an opportunity to have a voice about what they do on Friday nights, but to tell us who they really are Monday through Sunday. You listen to a guy like Jalen Vasquez, who is a guy who, I'm mean, going to be honest with you, this guy is really, really good. In many, many ways. And at the end of the day, Hayden Vasquez is a guy that can promote himself just by speaking through his passion and his voice. You see, his great point average speaks alone. His ability to transfer his conversation from one level to the next is just unprecedented. And that's one thing even tonight when we had another young man. He's a sophomore. He comes in here, never, I'm sure, on the radio, if so, not many. And that's Marcus Adams, Oceanside's defensive end. Did a great job tonight. We had two head coaches, one from the upstate. We talked to Greg Porter from Greenville. We talked to Joe Call from Oceanside. That's what Southern Sports Central is all about. We're about promoting young athletes, their coaches. And, oh, by the way, we brought in Kevin Bilodeau, who is a representative, who is a representative from CBS Sports, And that, of course, Channel 5, Live 5 News, sports. And then Reginald Walker Jr., a guy all the time, guaranteed at 7 o'clock on a Monday night, he'll be right here with us. He plays for Joe Pye. Joe Pye is a legendary coach, period. There is no conversation there. He also has done multiple things in the community in Charlotte that we don't even have enough time to tell you. He represents not one but two Great colleges in that community in that area. He also works for a TV station, but he makes sure on Monday nights or Tuesday or Wednesday or any night that ends in Y, if we need him, he's here for us. We appreciate that. We appreciate the listeners who listen, who go back and listen, who tweet at us at SO Sports Central, finds us on Facebook at Southern Sports Central. You know, I'm very blessed, and I say this. On numerous occasions, I'm going to leave you with a few thoughts, and I'm going to start doing this towards the end of our broadcast, and that is be the person to those that you want those to be to you. Go out there and be somebody different. It's not hard to be a nice person. Matter of fact, it's harder to be a jerk. It's harder to be a snake. It's harder to be that guy. Go out and treat somebody the way that you want somebody to treat you. And if you go that way through your days, whether you're on a football field, a baseball field, or a basketball court, or any other Marlboro racing, whatever you do, do that. And I promise you, you'll live life a lot longer. You'll live life a lot happier. And you won't worry about some of the nonsense. You know, and all the time, and I had this conversation with somebody earlier, true character comes through adversity. Adversity. You want to know what somebody thinks of you? Let there be some turmoil. Let there be a situation where they have a reason to turn their back on you or not turn their back on you. And for the ones that turn their back on you, the ones who don't believe you, the ones who don't follow you and keep with you, well, brother, them are the ones you don't want anyway. Because they should have known who you were before. Especially don't let you be the person that you told them you weren't. Guys, it's an easy thing to do is to be a jerk. It's so easy. Some days I just look at people and I just don't understand why. Why they don't try to put the right foot forward. You know, I see social media. I see all these different accounts. I see all these people with nine different accounts and it's one person. Man, how in the heck do you live in nine accounts? I struggle with two. Matter of fact, I had to go get five individuals to help me run that one. Because I do what I do at with my own, but when it comes down to it, at the end of the day, when it's all finally said and done, I cannot echo this enough. Be the person, i said it twice, I'm going to say it three times and then it'll sink in, be the person to somebody that you want somebody to be to you. You know, you've heard it on many spills and different speeches here by so many guys, we do a lot of great stuff with the, the motivating breaks But, you know, it's amazing. When you don't get what you want, you're always wanting a refund. But do you ever go and offer to give back your refund when you don't give somebody all that you deserve to give them? It's all these questions. All you athletes looking for, you're looking for scholarships. You're looking for answers. Well, did you leave it all on the field, or did you take a few days away? I just want to know the answer to that. Because if you took a playoff, well, then shame on you. You know, it starts in the classroom. It finds its way in the weight room, and sometimes it usually goes out there on that football field. But I'm going to start a day early before you go in the classroom. It starts at home. If you can't take out the trash and you can't cut the grass and you can't follow mama's and daddy's rules and you can't show up when you're supposed to be up and you can't do the little things, then I don't expect you to do the big things because you can't follow any of the small things. Just a little bit of truth here tonight as Eugene, I'll bring you in to kind of, let you say your final words as well, man. But it was just on my heart tonight, because there's been a lot of conversations. Boy, 2020 has been a year of vision. Have we learned so much, Eugene? About so
4: many. We thought we knew you. Oh, but now, oh, we know you, Eugene. Yeah, no doubt, man. Like you said, you know. For shout out to all these kids, you know, the ones that are that are getting selected. Uh, like you said, you know, being respectful. Of those that don't, uh, you know. Use that as motivation, man. And again, you know, it's hard to explain unless, uh, and some kids will get it. Uh, you might be a great receiver, but let's say you're a six-one, you know, two hundred pound guy, and you run a four-five. And there's a guy on your team that's six-two, who's uh, two hundred pounds and and runs a four-four. But on the flip side of it, you might be, uh, you might could say play safety, and so coaches are looking for that. You know, they're just looking for great athletes. They're also looking for guys to fit certain roles. And, you know, also, too, you know, we put it out there that guys need to check those social media accounts because we've heard, you know, I'm not saying that's been the case, but uh, because I don't know, I haven't heard that that's been the case at this point, but, you know, it's a good – It's a good, uh, I guess, uh, it's barometer or temperature check for these guys uh, to go and see what they can do to improve on. And I'm sure if they reach out to some of these coaches, they didn't get picked and say, hey, what can I do to get better? They're coaches. They're going to love on you and tell you, even though they may not be your coach, they can tell you, hey, I'd like to see this uh, for next year because there's always, hopefully, the Shrine Bowl, Senior Bowl, and things like that. So, uh, wish everybody well. You the same, brother. I'll talk to you soon.
2: All right, guys, that'll do it for tonight. Don't forget, tomorrow night, it's Everett Sands and the West Foundation Sports Show right here on Southern Sports Central talking about before and after you play the game of whatever it is you're playing. You want to check them out right here tomorrow night, guys. On behalf of all of us, to all of you, congratulations to those who are selected. For those who continue to wait, let's get it done, guys. We'll see you next time right here on Southern Sports Central, guys.
5: God bless.